This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here. Happy Monday to you. Jeff and Terry are in tow. The gang's all here. And it's Monday again. But it's a good Monday because it's getting closer to the day of love. Ooh, that's Mm -hmm. right. So I'm sure uh, everybody is geared up, ready to go. Uh, Had finished my date night on Saturday. How did it go? Lots of love that night. That was it. Was so fun. It was great. I actually, it's one of those things where have you ever been like doing a talk or a speech or something, and then all of a sudden you realize you're finding really good content as you're speaking. Always, I love that moment. Oh, you, but you never have anybody come up to you after the. So I'm sure you have plenty of people come up, yeah. coming up to you saying, "Thank you so much. You've helped our marriage." Have you ever had anybody come up to you afterwards and say, "Thank you"? This is the push we needed to sign those divorce papers. Yeah. I never. I don't know if that's something I that. should be joking about. But I've had people. I've had people in the middle of. Uh, like an event, get so mad at each other that they like walked out on each other and then really? acted like that was going to cause the divorce. No, I've been to one of your date nights and I they're helpful. It was entertaining. You know what? They're fun. They're really fun. They're exhausting. I still, so this was Saturday, I'm still tired. But it's exciting to come and talk about the Olympics. What's going on there? It seems like the U.S. is having a little harder time this time. They're fourth or fifth in medal count. Is that normal? This ABC report I have here from a reporter there says it's so cold outside it burns the second you walk out the door. Hold it. So cold it burns. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So, it's so cold it burns. He says the actual temperature wasn't bad, only 8 degrees. So during the day, the colder it gets at night, 40-mile-an-hour winds have been hitting the area. So they're plunging to like minus 10, the wow. feels-like temperature. Sheesh. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's They've the had problem. to cancel some alpine skiing because, you know, you're flying through the air at 40-mile-an-hour winds. Oh, that would be horrible. That, and it's super cold. But other than that, yeah. apparently people are having a good time. Uh, apparently the, uh, an American um, completed a triple axle. And they got bronze, didn't they? Yeah. What does Thanks it take for to, nothing. What does it take to get a gold nowadays? A quadruple axle? Hmm. Do you remember when you had a quadruple axle? Yeah, we don't talk about that. I had it lanced, so. Yeah, just lanced. It was one of those times. It's, um, it just seems like maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the deal. Norway is, is running away with it. Those cold, those cold countries seem to have an advantage here. They're fine with like eight, eight degrees. The South Koreans have a medal. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I really haven't been watching much. Weren't of it. they? Wasn't there talk that they weren't weren't going to be allowed, or was it Koreans at all, or just North Koreans? Why wouldn't South Korea be allowed to compete in their own Olympics? No, but weren't they going together with? Yeah, they're, they're, There's the, like an ice hockey team. Yeah, they're hanging out with that's the North I, Koreans and the ice hockey That's team. what I was talking about. Yeah, that's oh. right. But it's – I think it's – I don't know what it is. Is it – is the viewership down on the Olympics too? It's down by 9%. Just like the – basically. So now we know. But it, it's like sport. It's yeah, like football. It's, it's across the board. Everything's down. There's every, Everyone's yeah. attention's being split everywhere else. Uh, NBC put out a press release over the weekend saying down nine percent, but compared to everything else on TV, we just blew it all out of the yeah. water. So what do you want? Yeah, no, it's either so it's... ever either it's the most popular by 
leaps and bounds over everything else that's being shown. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. down from the last Olympics, we're but just so is not, everything else. We're not stuck anymore. We used to be stuck in front of the TV in the winter. You had, where else could you go? What well, else could people, you do? People are probably still stuck, but there's 90 other things to watch. Yeah. Instead of you have three networks, and so you're going to watch the Olympics because there's reruns everything else. Because everyone else, all the other networks will just drop away for two weeks because they don't want to compete with right. you know live live events. Like and that. do you blame them? No. And the political world's kind of just exhausting and depressing. Yeah. So constantly. It's, so it's more like you know, let's just watch Netflix mm. or what have you, Hulu. We watched Iron Man 1 and 2 over the weekend. Really? Mm. Yeah, my son had never seen those movies. Now, did your wife want to do that? She was on. She was game. Yeah. Wow. So she slept? No, she was right there. Okay. I'd hear her laugh as she woke up out of her slumber, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I can kind of sympathize with some of these athletes who have not been allowed to play in the Olympics. Really? Who are banned. Like, I was banned from something over the weekend, and I'm, I'm still kind of in shock. What? Was going a, to were, the, you, were you doping? Was going to uh, going He's to see Peter Rabbit yeah. with my three year old. Yeah, and I go to check in on my movie pass, and it says account not recognized or no yeah. account or something yeah. like that. You've been banned. I open mm. up my email, and apparently, in a couple of sentences, your movie pass account has been canceled. You will not be allowed to rejoin. Doping. What were you doing? I used my movie pass to get a ticket to a Fathom event, uh, which those, apparently those is not li- allowed. They're live events, right? No. Not, well, not always? Sometimes it's usually they're... they just show an old movie, yeah. put the DVD in, and they charge you an exorbitant amount of money. So I used my movie pass for that. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And I'm banned. You know what else that means? That means you can never win an Oscar. Hmm. I don't think that's what that means. I think that's because it's, yeah, the Academy. Yeah. You've been disinvited from the Academy. So wow. no more movies. I was going several times a week, basically going for free. And you can't get another one. No, and I don't get a refund. Wow. That's let me, let me just hard say something a little cryptic. Well, do the American thing and get a lawyer. Hold on, hold on. Oh, he's, let going, me, he's going cryptic. I'm going to say something a little cryptic. I can, no, I can no longer have a movie pass with that email. Wink. Wink. Oh, wow. I'm glad you said wink because (laughs) you were winking at me before you said wink, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. So you think the the wink, the the actual winking and the word wink were not necessary. So you're going to probably use another email. Your words, Matt. (laughs) Your words. He's not going to implicate himself. Wow. I don't know that I've ever been banned from anything before. That's got to be an intense experience, especially for you because this is like – this is your movie Nirvana moment, you know. This is you love that little pass. You've talked about it enough to subsidize the entire family. I wondered for a brief moment if maybe this was the universe telling me I need to stop. It's time to get a new hobby. Try tennis. I love it. Hey, let's get to the rest of the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to? Today, the White House is releasing its 2019 budget proposal and a $200 billion infrastructure plan, both of which will face long long odds of being enacted, and most say will just be kind of a whole waste of time to even do that today because no one's even going to agree to any of this. (laughs) The budget proposal will seek to shrink the 10-year federal deficit by $3 trillion, from more than $10 trillion currently estimated, but will not even pretend to eliminate it, abandoning what the Washington Post dryly calls a North Star for Republican Party for several decades. Mm. You know, 
decreasing the deficit, decreasing debt. Yeah. Um, Republicans in Congress passed a tax plan in December that will add at least $1 trillion to the deficit over 10 years. Wow. And lawmakers in both parties approved spending measures last week that will cost about $500 billion over the next two years. Now, didn't I read that Trump's going to, to make some changes or propose changes that would lower it $3 trillion over, whatever, 10 yeah, years? Yeah, that's his bill. That's but what is that, talking is about. But that is that, you're saying that won't pass? No. Not at all. Because they just passed two consecutive pieces of legislation that added trillions and billions of dollars to yeah, them. These kids. And, and that's the plan for this year, is that the Republicans are going to tout the tax plan so people are more comfortable voting for Republicans. Oh, yeah. And try to distance themselves from certain people running the country. Mm. Um, let's see. The infrastructure plan proposal will to leverage $200 billion in federal spending into $1.5 trillion worth of infrastructure projects, either by asking state and local governments to match the funds by as much as a four-to-one ratio or encourage six... A private investment for or a six point, $6.50 in private investment for every dollar of federal spending. Wow. So go to so private gonna... companies and say, we want you to, for every dollar, you got to put six bucks in. Wow. And we'll give you this money to help build a toll road or something. And what's funny about that, because uh, that, that, the infrastructure plan is built on private government partnerships. Right, right. Some states like Tennessee, that's illegal. You can't build a road with a private, with a private company. It has to be through the government. So, so there's roadblocks all along the way. basically selling the government. Yeah. To private entities that will then own what used to be public roads. And they'll probably pay for it through a toll situation on a toll road or a bridge oh, or something. So that would be great. Many infrastructure experts consider the proposal of private-public ratio to be largely out of reach, out of the New York Times notes. So, again, yeah. budget and infrastructure today, but largely just kind of going through the motions because it's an election year and nobody wants to do any of this. Everybody's afraid. This White year. House advisor Kellyanne Conway on Sunday appeared to break with President Trump on a recent abuse allegations against a top presidential aide, even as she defended his response to the scandal. Speaking to CNN, Conway said that she was horrified when former Staff Secretary Rob Porter was accused of domestic violence by two of his ex-wives last week. The allegations prompted Porter to step down a day later. Trump appeared to cast doubt on the accusations with a tweet on Saturday lamenting that people's lives were shattered by a mere allegation. But Conway said she personally has no reason to not believe the women who came forward. Right. Citing police reports and the woman's testimony to the FBI under the threat of perjury, she said Porter did the right thing by resigning. In a separate interview on ABC, Conway went on to defend the president's reaction to the scandal, which has largely been focused on the very tough time for Porter that he's facing rather than to condemn the domestic violence. The president believes he has said, uh, as he said the other day, you have to consider all sides. He said this in the past about incidents related to him as well. You know, marches in Virginia and all kinds of stuff. All sides. It's amazing how well you have to handle these things, right? Like you can't make any error because, yeah. Reports out this morning, privately, the Trump read these these reports and thinks that Porter's a sick puppy. That's Hmm. a quote, sick puppy. With this domestic <laughs> violence, but public, if that's what he's saying privately, then publicly he's like, all sides need to be considered here. Like, what? if you think he's, if you think it's bad, then maybe... You just say it's bad. Say domestic well, violence is bad and move on. Well, it's not like this is one you need to fight for, really. No. Right. This is one you can just say, oh, yeah, that, uh, get bad. rid of that dude. And then you see the, the list of people who have been in uh, accused of 
a, a either sexual harassment, sexual violence, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a string of about five or six incidents over the last year where the president defends the person accused yeah, and now. doesn't even bring any uh, any yeah. attention to the person that's uh, the maybe the victim. Man. So it's kind of a PR situation where you could you could defend nobody in this. We have sort of a generic comment like and most where's, politicians. Where's uh, Sanders been? Huckabee? Yeah, she's like missing in action. She's there. She's MIA. She does a press conference every once in a while. Seems or like seems like this is where you need your it's... press secretary to be yeah. jumping all over this thing, managing it. Yeah. Where's Hope Hicks? She's there. She wanted to be away for a while. She wrote the did letter. She helped write the letter report, reportedly in defense of Porter. She's so over the communications that's office. The, probably the wrong message. You don't want to defend something that you don't know all the facts on. She's actually dating him, though. Maybe allegedly reportedly, she's never confirmed nor denied. She also never talks, which no. is weird for a communications director. Yeah, she's quiet. She sits outside Trump's desk and. God, Apparently, the, they, the media has trouble like making fun of her. SNL can't really yep. do a parody on her because nobody knows what she sounds like. Sounds like a genius move on it's her really part. Smart it's a really smart move communications director. New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman filed civil rights lawsuit on Sunday against the Weinstein Company and Harvey Weinstein, alleging that the disgraced movie producer sexually, sexually harassed and abused women and employees for several years, and the company's executives and board of directors knew about his misconduct but failed to act. The New York Times first reported last fall the accusations. More than 70 women have come forward to say they were abused by Weinstein. Oh, boy. He says that many of those accounts are incorrect. Okay. Hmm. Didn't say. Okay. So a few of them are still correct. I guess. Many. Many. Many many could be 20, which leaves 50 still. Yeah. I mean, there are some of those accounts that are not accurate. (laughs) Okay. I I had when I heard that I had to many that's how you defend yourself with seventy women as many of those are incorrect. Maybe he meant like the paperwork wasn't filed correctly. Could Mm be. Wow, that is tough. Finally, an online adjunct professor incorrectly told a student that Australia isn't a country and gave her a failing grade, prompting Southern New Hampshire University to replace the instructor. Yeah. But yeah. BuzzFeed News reported that the 27-year-old student in Idaho was assigned to compare American social norms to that of another country. She chose to study social media used in Australia, by the prof- but the professor gave her a zero on the uh, portion of the assignment, saying Australia is a continent, not a country. <laughs> Australia is actually both, a country and a continent. <laughs> university officials say the instructor yeah. has been replaced following an investigation. In a statement, the university said it deeply regrets the interaction between the professor and student and wishes the athletes from Australia good luck in the Olympics. I don't know why that's in there. Let's but. bring the Olympics into um, this? Yeah, we're going to need you to redo that assignment. <laughs> because we, we need you to do it on another country, she went, oh, not I, another continent. Oh, I, th- I thought it was Africa, you said, not Australia. Yeah. Okay, okay, oh, gotcha. Hold, hold yeah. on. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, people make mistakes. Right. But I did like how they slid in, hey, and good luck to the Aussies. <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> we hope you win the Olympics. I think they have one medal as well. But just one. Do they now? Interesting. They also have a past Olympic winner, uh, gold or gold or silver, Tora Bright, who's from Australia that also lives in Utah. Mm. Not to brag. Hmm. Not to brag. She's not. I don't think she's competing this year. So you're associating. You're associating yourself with her because you live in the same state. Yeah, she's okay. A, she's a great skier. I read and a, an Aussie. I read a headline this from morning. From the continent of Australia. The snow, snowboarding event, only nine of 50 competitors actually finished the run without crashing. 
Whoa. Apparently there's Nine a problem. 50. Oh, is that the... There's a problem with the uh, the course. But that's the one where... Yeah, that's like the one where they all race against each other. I'm not sure. So you're saying... Just we, read the headline, went, wow, that's interesting, and then I'm not clicking on that. Yeah. I could have been watching Crashing over the weekend. Yeah. There, there's some hmm. elements of the Olympics that might be a little bit more interesting than people actually like, you know, landing the move. Actually, I never really enjoy yeah, watching. It's hard to land the move. <laughs> I don't enjoy watching people crash on those snow courses. It's always painful to watch. No, it's the agony of defeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah. Do you remember that video that the was thrill on? thrill of victory. NBC every morning on Saturday. Agony of defeat. It's great. You have to have both. Yeah, that was it's pretty brutal. Because I remember every Saturday morning, I would get up and get ready for my ski lessons. Hmm. And you'd have to get up early, and it was freezing, and I'd get all my gear on. And while I'm watching it, I'd watch this guy come down a ski hill and slip and fall and the agony of defeat. And in my head, I'm thinking, why am I going skiing today? I'm going Hmm. to die probably. (laughs) I think we should just adopt that in everything that we do. We could die. I I can't go to work today. I could die. No, no. That would then create bigger problems. I could decapitate myself with the paper cutter. Hmm. I'm not sure what my head would be doing there, but the agony, the thrill of victory, the thrill of victory never looked as exciting as and devastating as the agony of defeat. That was always more emotional for me. So what events are you looking forward to, Matt? What are you going to stop everything and turn on and just watch? Honestly? 12 hours after it happened, apparently, because you can't watch it really live. None of it, really. Um, Because you know why? I'm moved by the people. Oh, and I don't know any of these people. Okay. <laughs> well, apparently, I don't know any of them. You're good chums with the the Aussie. Tora, from... right? But I don't. She's not in this. I don't think she's competing. Oh, hmm. you just name someone that's not even there. No, hmm. she won that's in 2014. Oh, okay. or 2014. Yeah, hmm. yeah, gold. I think it was a silver. Okay, which is pretty good. Well, usually yeah. I, she's I, an Aussie. Usually, I check out the <laughs> the hockey because they in the past yeah. have let the NHL guys go do it. They didn't. Go this time. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, eh. Okay. Well. It's, did you, apparently, I didn't, and I didn't see it, but apparently there was a guy from Holland that was the the leader in the long distance um, ski, what do they call it? Cross country -country. skiing. Hmm. And in the very beginning, he, he kind of fell and his skis came off and he broke a pole. Wow. And he, everybody else got this massive head start. It's not like pretty flat. When yeah, cross but, country. But okay. I think he somehow got caught up in somebody and he fell and he wow. and, but he broke his pole. Yeah. So he had to ski with one pole and he got really far behind and like I can't remember um it's like 50 I don't remember what it is. It's the longest race. But he ended up over time catching all the way up. Hmm. Halfway through the race, he was about halfway through the pack. About uh, 10 or whatever kilometers, is it that far? It couldn't be 50 miles. On I don't know. But Could be. 50 kilometers. But yeah. about uh, about um, with 20% of the race left, he was still at about uh, – he was 10th in in, in oh, place. Wow. And then he eventually took over and won by like 100 meters. With, what? With one pole? No, they A eventually got medal. another pole. Oh, someone tossed him medal. along the way? Hmm. They said it was hmm. like crazy. And, it's you know, Norway's like never lost that race ever. Do you think he should be allowed to get another pole? Oh, yeah. Or do you think it should be like golf where you have to play it where it lies? I think you should have as many poles as you want. Really? Because it's, you know, the pole's not the key. Hmm. Apparently what's the key is that you just got to be from Norway. 
That's how you win every event in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics. It's pretty cool. It is. It does show you the the great talent and the abilities and the get to work and the work ethic and it's pretty cool. It's just I got a lot going on right now. But up next, we're going to simplify life a bit. Joe Cannon will be joining us to help us understand. What's going on uh, in Washington, D.C.? He's our Washington insider. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's Monday, which means it's time to bring in our Washington insider and just see if he can shed some light on uh, on everything that's going on politically. It's a lot. to It's a it's a big load we we put on poor Joe Cannon. But uh, who better to help us? Joe is a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party and was also an editor of the Deseret Morning News. So we, we love the, the journalist side of him as well. And um, we, we just appreciate his time. Joe, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. This, uh, you know, it's been it's been an interesting few days for President Trump. It seems like uh, he he had a five hour shutdown. He's also had staff troubles. I mean, uh, every time you think that that it's calming down, things are getting better. The State of the Union, it you, it just feels like it it might be getting better, and then a, a big problem comes in the door. How how, how do you think he's doing this week? <laughs> well, um, of course, this is Monday, so we don't really know <laughs> what's going to happen. I guess last you're week, right. huh? Last week was a pretty complicated uh, week. I mean, you're right. Going back to week before, it, he had a really good, generally applauded State of the Union. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know several people, including women who were sort of in the not Trump camp, were you know, genuinely oppressed, genuinely moved by the speech. And, and you know, the, the polling after the speech was amazing. Both, both CNN and uh, CBS had polls out, which were very strong. Mm. You know, the, I think the CBS poll said that 75% of the people who heard the speech liked it. Now, you got to say that there are plenty of people who would not even turn on the TV. Right. Uh, so, so, but, but even so, a large percentage of Democrats did hear the speech, and more than half of them liked it. Well, I think it was 40, 40-odd percent. Yeah. And, and independents liked it a lot, and, of course, Republicans were off the charts. So, you know, it's a setup for, wow, like you say, wow, finally. We get, you know, Charlie Brown gets to kick the football. <laughs> finally. And, and then, boom. Uh, everything, and I wouldn't say goes off the rails, but like uh, you know, a lot of things happen. Yeah, you know, I think the two things that we probably want to talk about are the budget deal, yeah, and the uh, and the Rob Porter situation. Well, and the budget deal was a weird thing because uh, right before. I mean, I, a lot of people were like, yeah, this it's not going to shut down and it's not going to shut down. And maybe it really only shut down because of a senator, maybe. But um, I, I guess part of the, the five, it was only about a five hour shutdown or whatever, but it was preceded by a comment by President Trump saying, you know, he'd like to see it shut down. Yeah, yes. Like you know, what? It's, uh, uh, 
I don't, I don't think he really believes that. I, I don't know. The shutdown, uh, I, I don't even know if that was even a, a, a tactic on his part, a negotiating yeah. tactic. I think he just said it. Um, but in any case, I think you're right. I think most of that five-hour shutdown could be laid at the feet of Senator Paul. Right. Uh, and, you know, the fact that he threw a monkey wrench, a you know, procedural monkey wrench into it near the end, Sort of then delayed it getting over to the house. It, it was passed by pretty big majorities in both both houses. And again, so I, I think what happened is you just had, uh, you know, it was just a timing issue. But Senator Paul, yeah. a member of the GOP, it seems like President Trump needs to maybe do a better job of, you know, courting these people. Well. Yes. But maybe maybe with Rand it would never matter because it yeah, was a budget I, I, issue. I was going to say, I think there's some people who are beyond courting on, on some issues. And to be fair, Paul makes a, a very good point that a lot of Republicans have made. I mean, this is a really a budget-busting bill. Hmm. By, by voting for this bill, you know, over the next... Well, the good news out of the bill is, is that it takes us off the table for a couple of years. Right. So we're not going to be having this fight again. Bad news about it is that you know it adds 1.88 trillion dollars to the budget. So all of a sudden, we're now, you know, it seems like everybody's relinquished the fight on uh, on controlled controlling spending. Hmm. So you know, it's a it's a it's a big deal. Uh, a lot, of, you know, a lot of a lot of Republicans are saying. Gosh, well, in fact, Rand Paul said, well, when the Democrats are in power, everything is liberal, and the conservative, the Republicans, and the conservative opposition, when the Republicans are in power, there's no conservative party. You know, that's, hmm. that's a Rand Paul quote. Yeah. So it's conservative, even in the non-political sense, of saying, well, let's be careful about the budget. So That's interesting. I don't know, there, that, but... As I say, there's some there's good news in here. It, it takes it off the table. We're not going to have this fight at least for a couple of years. And well, who knows? Maybe there'll be some some economic growth that um, you know that'll you know, change that, the game. That, that helps it helps things a little bit. And again, it seems like this is going against one of President Trump's um, campaign promises about being more fiscally responsible. You know, decreasing some of the the budgets in some of these departments is. I mean, do you think you'll be able to push any of this through now? Well, I mean, the the one aspect of this thing that is interesting is it's it's only in the budget that you have an exemption an exception to the filibuster rule, so you can pass budget related items. With 51 votes. Hmm. Well, the other big exception is now, you know, uh, presidential nominations. But the Democrats began busting that, then the Republicans completed the, the job. But on all other legislation, you know, you still have the filibuster rule in place. So a lot of people use, on, on both Democrats and Republicans, use this. You, know, you recall the budget exception was what, what, what allowed Obamacare to pass in the first place. And the budget process was what allowed the tax cut to be passed on the Republican side by majority vote, not the supermajority. Hmm. So now that's how, that, that tactic is gone for two years. So now we just have to go back to the old regular 
budget battles, and that's why we're in this fix in the first place. You, I, I don't know that listeners realize this, but we haven't had a budget since George W. Bush. Because of these fights, all we've had are continuing resolutions is basically keep, you know, an old, 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 old budget in place. Oh, wow. Tight, tiny modifications. The way it normally works is just take the Department of Agriculture. It has a budget. It prepares a budget. It sends it to OMB. OMB fights with, with agriculture. They come out with a budget. They send it to Congress, which go to the respective appropriations committees. They carefully look at it. You come out with a piece of legislation that says, boom, here's the Department of Agriculture budget for 2019. That process hasn't happened for years and hmm. years. Uh, so what happens is the Department of Agriculture, to keep that in mind, is operating as the same budget it had. I should have looked up the year. I don't don't know the year, but, you know, back in the 2000s, early 2000s. Wow. With, with modifications, some slight increases, but all in the context of the overall budget for the whole government. So the the hard work of actually looking at the Department of Agriculture does they have the right number of workers? Is there too many? Is it too few? Is it doing the right things? All of those kind of questions that come up in the appropriations process aren't, aren't coming up. And that's for every agency in the government. So one of the key tools that Congress has for oversight of the departments and agencies is just simply not there. It's just a tool, but it's a really, really important tool. I did this for a couple of years. I was in, uh, in charge of the budget at, at EPA and would work through that whole process. Oh. Submit it to OMB, go to Congress, you go back and forth, and you come out, and here's the budget for EPA, in, in my case, you know, in uh, you know 1983. What a nightmare. <laughs> it sounds yeah, so, like. But, I mean, I guess, I guess um, so you're saying because of this new – um, because they've now made a two-year deal, now I guess for two years, every department's going to have to go through this budgeting process again? No, they won't go through it. Well, they, they just get what they got. So the ending result of this, all this, uh, the uh, budget fight is, historically they just call it a continuing resolution. Okay. They're continuing the budget that was in place the year huh. before, yeah. which continued the budget the year before. <laughs> this is a little bit different because it is a budget. There's new money. There's a little more money for the for the military. There's disaster relief. So this is more like a budget. But again, it's an overall budget for the yeah. whole government, not tailored to the specifics of each department and mm-hmm. agency. So there was a couple of tiny <sighs> That's government so, at its finest. Well, it's government in a very divided, increasingly polarized state, of which this is just Exhibit A. Yeah. Uh, here's another. Here's another question for you. Uh, the White House is also having troubles with now one of the staff secretary, White House staff secretary Rob Porter, being accused of domestic violence um, or alleged uh, domestic violence situations with his past two ex-wives. That news came out along with a picture of one of the wives with a, with a black eye. And again, it seems like we're still seeing from the White House that they're struggling to – they're just struggling internally with their messaging and the discipline that you need to get the message out. This seems like it's turned into a, a really big fiasco of 
when they knew, who knew what, who was okay with an abuser being in the White House, or talk about what you see there. Sure. Well, this is a tragedy of multiple proportion, and it actually hits home to lots of your listeners in the BYU community. You know, Rob was LDS. He went to BYU for a while. Uh, His father went to BYU. His father is an incredibly distinguished person. He served in the White House in the Ford Reagan and Bush administrations. He was head of policy, professor for many long years at the Kennedy School of Government. Rhodes Scholar, Rob is, so I just, in full disclosure, I know Rob very well. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's so many people, you, you could tell the surprise, and I, I was surprised. I mean, spouse abuse is such a horrible, horrible thing. And just the tragedy in the lives of those, those women is in itself a huge tragedy. But it's also... It's just such an incredible surprise to many people. The first round of comments out of this were, you know, we can't believe it. To, to know Rob is to know the perfectly pedigreed guy for those kind of jobs in Washington, you know. Yeah. Uh, Harvard College, Harvard Law School, clerk on the D.C. Circuit, a Rhodes Scholar, tall, handsome, you know, incredibly competent human being. And so if that's all you know about him, you're thinking, no, no, that's impossible that there's this other Rob Porter. But, you know, again, we do need to be careful that these are allegations. Yeah, right. But they are very credible allegations by actually three people, two former wives and a former girlfriend. And, uh, you know, so... You're confronted with a situation of the guy's a perfect resume, but then then you start scratching the surface a little bit. You find out, oh, he hasn't had his uh, FBI clearance. Well, you know, if he weren't in the White House, if he were a presidential appointee to a department or agency, you can't even send the name up until that clearance is approved by the FBI. So he, the clearance is in abeyance. Oh, it turns out maybe it was going to be forever in abeyance. Then you have all the questions about who knew when, and there, boy, there's a lot of reporting on this. Uh, and again, starting with the president, I think the president really didn't know at the beginning. Uh, and that there's a lot of reporting from, you know, people who don't like the president very much that sort of reinforces that. But then when he found out, no, no word on behalf of the victims here. Yeah. Yep. Really, oh, truly, oh, victims or alleged victims. Even if you say alleged victims, you say, wow, the, you know, they're deserving in our day and age. We're, we're not even talking about the, all the shades of, of sexual harassment. We're talking about literal physical and emotional abuse. It's right. Really, really, so it's tragic in their lives. So he finds out. Publicly, he's still, even even a few days later, is, is talking about the tragedy in Rob Porter's life, not, mm. not the tragedy for yeah. the women. But then privately, you know, there's all, there's all kinds of reporting that privately he's calling Rob sick, that he's angry, he feels betrayed, that, you know, that in effect, um, Rob is living a lie. Uh, and so that the president doesn't, you know... No, so there's no full disclosure. Uh, I think um, even Kelly, who has 
you know, maybe unclean hands in this whole thing, said he didn't even know that there were two ex-wives in this picture. Oh, wow. So, uh, that may or may not, not be true, but I think a lot of people are surprised to find out that there were two ex-wives. A lot of, you know, I'm sure people, you know, people who know Rob know that he's been married, but, you know, I... You, you can see how this is such a jarring... Even his wife, uh, even one of his ex-wives said she can totally see how you would see that he's a respectable, incredible, talent, incredibly talented person in his professional life. It was his personal life that was in chaos. And um, but, but again, then, too, this even – this a little bit shows just some of the – this is where messaging right and having a really tight group of people around you that protect you is really helpful, it seems like. Like having yeah, a mean, really tight uh, administration and communicate – then there's the problem with the communications director may have been uh, – Hope Hicks may not, have been dating have, him. Not, not may have been. She was. Was she dating actually. him? That's how this whole thing started. Oh, wow. The original story is like the week before in the Daily Mail, which uh, has a very aggressive paparazzi kind of view of, of the world. Uh, yeah, no, the whole the whole story of uh, Porter and Hope Picks had come out the week before. Uh, and so that's actually what provoked another former girlfriend, apparently a jilted girlfriend, contacting the ex-wives. And then that's how they came. Oh forward. wow! So, so it's interesting as the byplay of dating Hope Hicks, and then she uh, ended up writing some of the statements that were made. Oh. So she she drafted Kelly's statement. Oh wow! Porter's a man of integrity, highly competent. Uh, well, it turns out that's half true. He's a, an incredibly competent gifted individual in that side of his life but then there's the there's the whole Jekyll and Hyde aspect yeah. of this uh which was you know not touched upon by uh Hicks when she helped draft the president's statement and uh, and Kelly's statement you know this is this is a messy one it's sad even by even by Washington yeah. standards this is just amazing, all the aspects of it. And then the question is, how unhappy with Kelly is the president? Well, then there, that's a whole backstory yeah. because apparently he was very, very angry at Kelly, who at one level, whether it was in days, weeks, or months, sort of covered this whole problem up. And then is he going to be the chief of staff or not? Well, it turns out it's fact. And I happen to have most sources of my own on this, that uh, he'd, he'd contacted various people, Mick Mulvaney, the head of OMB, Kevin McCarthy, the majority leader in the House. He was, they were contacted directly or indirectly about, well, would you be the chief of staff? Then there was resistance there. Okay, this is my own personal interpretation, and I don't know this for a fact. But I think it became clear that a lot of people didn't want to jump in to be chief of staff at this point. So then you had a whole round of days later of no-nos of spokes, various spokespeople for the uh, uh, president saying, no, he's got – he, the president, has full confidence in, mm-hmm. in General Kelly, and so that ship is right. And there's history about this. You know, There's the whole discussion about how long is Tillerson going to be secretary of state? And then turns out he's still Secretary of State, you know. 
I mean, but this, uh, Joe, this is – wouldn't this be his – this would – I mean, if, if Kelly left, this would be his third chief of staff in a year, a little over a year. Yeah, I know. I saw a graph of the staff turnover. Uh, I don't remember every detail, but there's been enormously more staff turnover in the first year of the Trump administration in, in all of the White House positions than there has been by far in any other presidency, hmm. including Clinton and Carter. So both both the Clinton and Carter administrations had a similar kind of problem in the sense that they brought in people who were loyalists or strong campaign activists. And then in those cases, a lot of those people were flushed, flushed out pretty early on in the process. But there are much, much smaller number of folks involved in those administrations than in in this administration. What, um, oh man, I wish we had more time. What, <laughs> this is why, this is why the whole idea of just having a parade sounds kind of nice. Because, uh, if we could just, I think if President Trump could just have a parade, it would maybe make everybody feel better. Parades always make people feel better. <laughs> well, you know, there's very, well, who knows what was in his mind when he said that. I think he, had, I guess, witnessed some kind of military parade in France. Oh, it's yeah. kind of cool. Maybe we ought to do that here. I'm I, I, not sure how serious his thought was on that, but for sure the reaction was uh, uniformly and bipartisanly negative, you know, on the on the parade idea. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, there are military parades. Sure. I mean, every, every parade in every town in America has some military component to right. it. But I don't think that's what he was talking about. But the, the, I can't remember who said it, but one of the, from the from the conservative side of things said, no, America's strength isn't in military parades. America's strength is in the people who show up to watch parades in Provo, Utah, uh, or, you know, other in the towns si- in yeah. America. That, that's, that's the reflection of the patriotic uh, component zeal of America, I mean, the whole idea of walk uh, softly but carry a big stick, the big stick isn't uh, exemplified by big military parades. It's just by having the best military on the face of the earth. So true. Joe, that's such great insight. We appreciate you. Again, Joe Cannon is our Washington insider, trying to bring as much clarity as he can to what's going on in Washington, D.C. Today, he took on a, a tough issue with um, White House uh, um, Secretary, Staff Secretary Rob Porter. It really, it just uh, it's a tangled mess. And we've got to remember victims are here as well and or alleged victims as well. And so how do we protect everybody and uh, and still run the government? Interesting stuff. This is the Matt Townsend Show, doing what we can to help you see clearly the tough things going on in life. This is uh, our goal and our purpose. We'll be back with more more insights straight ahead. This this is BYU Radio. This just in Facebook news. We were just talking about how uh, some of the numbers are down on Facebook. These young kids apparently don't want to go near the thing because all their parents are there. <laughs> 
It's interesting because you'll hear the the news reports come out that teenagers are moving away from it. As you said, their parents are there. Maybe their teachers are yeah, there. Ugh. You can't have you can't be as free as you can't want. Have fun there. And then all of a sudden you see this rush of other reports talking about you know how many teenagers are using Facebook. Yeah. And there's a resurgence, and it's like, what's Facebook PR? What's actual news? Right. It's kind of strange. A well, little bit. Facebook owns Instagram, right? They so do. Instagram is still fairly popular. A lot of kids go there. They can have their conversations there, apparently, in yeah. a more free way. Uh, Snapchat, I was telling you, over the weekend, they updated their software. So they changed the right. whole interface and how you interact and do anything on there. And a lot of people are not happy with that. Uh-oh. I jumped on, was looking at them. I kind of I kind of had a system where I yeah. could look at, see things, and they move things around. And I'm old, so I don't understand it at all. Well, you, but the funny thing is you're not that old. Yeah, I know. I mean, try being me. It's mostly that they changed my process, and I hate that. Don't mess with my system. Just yeah, no, you, no, you were talking about, yeah. Uh, Facebook is gathering data to better assess what resonates with customers through conversations on the platform. The downvote button, which doesn't exist but will, apparently, is part of a short-term test that currently doesn't affect ranking for the comment, the post, or the page. Uh, in an effort to create more meaningful engagement on its platform, Facebook wants to also emphasize meaningful interactions through comment. Uh, they're saying, we are not testing a dislike button. We are exploring a feature for people to give us feedback about comments on public page posts. A little wordy. Yeah. This hmm. is running for a small set of people in the United States only. The test is only running for 5% of Android users in the U.S. Oh. and only in English. Ah, the I feature wanted only... to be a part of that test. I've always found it odd. Now, recently, last couple of years, they changed it. So when you go to hit like, it'll pop up and it gives you like six or seven different options mm-hmm. instead of like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see, like, obituaries, and people, like, like the obituary. It just seems kind of an odd thing to like. Or you see a disaster. Yeah, you, so well, somebody gives really sad news. Well, there's a lack of education there. When there's a bunch of uh, hurricane news or natural disasters yeah. or there's a mass murder, there's you go to look at those stories on Facebook, there's all these likes. Yeah. And it's like people, they... They it, don't know. They don't understand the other buttons. We need a dislike button. You, you can say, I don't like it. And not well, in the no, sense but, that no, you don't. That's different, though, right? Not necessarily. Like, that's the problem is what is your intention with your click? What you, need is, what you need is sad face hug. Okay. You need a sad face <laughs> hug icon. But I think the emojis, there's a subset of people out there that don't understand that now because you can have <laughs> those emojis if you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, because think about it. Hey, so my mom was just diagnosed with cancer. You could, you could enter mad face. Uh-huh. Mad. Yeah. Okay. Are I guess you, I'm mad for your mom. Are you mad at the news? Are you mad at cancer? Mm-hmm. Are you, you mad now that you know this? What are you mad at? Yeah. This is why we actually we used to use words. Hmm. I think uh, trying to use emoticons and buttons might not be the most no. best way to express ourselves. You still ourselves. need a lot of emoticons. So yeah. why are younger people not using Facebook as much? Well, well, I think they still have their page. Well, you do because you can talk to mom and dad. But you got to keep your presence up. That's but the, now that mom and dad do it, it's no longer cool. Yeah. Well, that, it's kind of like... Dancing, like hmm. when when we turn on our Alexa and start dancing in our kitchen, your Echo. Yeah, yeah. when we talk to our Alexa on our Echo <laughs> in our kitchen, <laughs> um, when we do that, we the kids seem to kind of be grossed out and they want to hmm. leave. Yeah, reminds even though me, music and dance is beautiful, it reminds me of the parks in Glendale, California, where we lived. We didn't live in the park; we lived near the parks. And our kids could no longer play there because they were overrun by Armenian grandpas playing dominoes. 
It was oh. wrong with that. There's all this playground equipment that nobody was playing <laughs> Did on. Did you cause... ever actually play with the grandpas? Because that can be a lot of fun. Domino's no, they, is a fun game. they were a little ornery. Ornery? Yeah. Okay, well. Well, I mean, it's a great game. Hmm. Maybe what we ought to be teaching our kids, less playground, more, more Domino's. I hear hmm. they deliver. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Um, we're directing. So we need something more than a button with a thumb up or thumb down that's to express. Right. And we need a way to have our kids still be on Facebook so that we don't have to go learn Snapchat. Because that's where they're going. Unless, I don't of want, course, they don't like that. I don't want to learn Snapchat. It's Which a in lot fact, of work. Instagram is becoming more like Snapchat, and Snapchat is becoming more like Instagram Ugh. as they fight it out. <gasps> Okay, well, we'll continue trying to fight it with you folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. We are all gathered. Yes, it's Monday morning, but we are here nonetheless. It's been an extended weekend for me. I wanted, Has it? To, I wanted to take an extended weekend. Sure. Well, to celebrate you... President Lincoln's birthday today. Yeah, as we were in. Is that really why, or is it because you spoke for about ten hours the other I night? I spoke for two and a half hours the other night, and it's exhausting. Not the speaking, but the whole event. So then Saturday, then Sunday, we had a really early morning meeting where I got to get up and get all of my three boys to a 7 a.m. meeting. I love how you said got to get up. Yeah. You, you, you were blessed. privileged we to We were do blessed it. to get up at, 7 a, at 6 a.m. to get them all ready for a 7 a.m. meeting. And what life-changing information was shared there, Actually, Matt? we learned a lot of really great stuff about really? technology. What? And how to use technology oh. more effectively in our families. Gotcha. Fascinating stuff, actually. Which usually the underwriting line there is put it away. <clears throat> That's really – it's a very good rule. Yeah. Just put it away. No one, like, embraces the technology. It's always like, No, but, no, but this was different. This was actually a very different meeting. Like, they actually told us all to bring our technology. I didn't read that part of the, the email that they sent. Right. But So I brought my phone, but my kids didn't bring their phones. Of course, they're just going to play on them. So, but they wanted us to get our phones out and use them during the meeting. We had one fascinating. Of, we had one of these meetings. They wanted us to use our phones and then log into this service that made sort of like a group text situation, uh-huh. so that it would show up on their computer that was connected to the overhead yeah. screen. Then you could ask questions. Yeah. Well, you're just opening that for all sorts of yeah, that's, shenanigans. That's maybe not well thought out. And they said, please don't do this. And of course people did it. And it's, and they, they had like people had figured out aliases in like five minutes. So you <laughs> could even see who it was. It was crazy. It was nuts. See, this is, this is how it works. So then I'm up early Sunday and then you kind of go all day Sunday. And then, uh, last night it just hit me and I felt the, I, I felt a cold hitting me. Mm. I still feel it. You know that feeling where you can kind of feel like your lungs are starting to work something up? No. Oh, yeah. A little sinus headache. Maybe it's every, – and everyone around me is coughing and, you know, sniffling and – You've hmm. been describing the man flu. I think I've got the man flu. 
blah. And it's not it's not pretty. It's it's uh mm-hmm. so anyway. Well, it doesn't sound pretty either. I'm, Maybe you Thank need a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I need a, I need like a medical doctor. Right. I mean, I'm a doctor myself. Well, you know, a doctor. You were an EMT. Yeah. It's close enough. You I, could self-diagnose. I could put myself in an ambulance if I needed such a thing. So Incubate if needed. Yeah. So there's that. Then it's like, do we watch? I really wanted to watch a movie last night, and my wife mm. kept saying, let's watch the Olympics. Mm. And I'm like. Can't you can't you have the Olympics on and you're just sort of watching Netflix on your phone off to the side, or does she want to like interact and have a no, conversation? The reality is, she says she wants. She does this oh. all the time. She's yeah, yeah. A, she's kind of a trickster this way. Hmm. Hey, let's watch let's watch the Olympics. So I finally get the Olympics on, and the next thing you know, she's walking all over the house, not watching, not watching any of it, and ends up you're watching something yeah. you didn't want to watch. So then I yeah. just decided I'm just going to watch a little bit of The Office. My wife does the same thing. She just falls asleep. Yeah. And hmm. then I'm looking over like, why are my – I don't even care. What do, so right. I stop but it. But if I, if I put on something yeah. that I wanted her to watch, that's where she falls. She'd fall asleep there. Like if we were going to watch something together. What, kill, what gets me though, I turn off whatever it is and my wife's dead asleep but hears it change and knows I've just turned off her show. And she's like, what would you do that for? I was watching that. <laughs> No, honey, you were asleep. You really weren't. That's why it's. Let me give you some. <laughs> let me give you some elderly advice on this. You film. Always film them. Pull out your phone. Okay. Shoot some video of them sleeping. Proof. Watch while you're watching the show. Yeah. And then they can't. Is they it, can't talk. Is this smack. the marriage counselor mm-hmm. in you helping me with the situation? The phone, video, like and um, it, it's a some great blackmail tool. here. Is what it sounds. No, like. it's not blackmail. It's just <laughs> you were sleeping. Don't pretend like you were watching because this is the last five minutes of how you've been watching this. I always ask her to tell me what just happened on the show. She can't do it. So that's good. That's, I mean, that's one way to end a marriage. Um, <laughs> if you're looking for ways, you shouldn't be, for heaven's sakes. Right. So, you know, because this is hour number two of the show, some people are thinking, well, what happened to hour number one? If you weren't with us, you just go look it up. Go to byuradio.org. Go to iTunes. Yeah. Go to TuneIn. Go to Stitcher. Well, it's everywhere. Like Terry's wife, they were snoozing, they were snoozing during the first hour. You snooze, you lose, but you can always go back on our show and pick See, up the last hour. In the hour. olden days, it was just gone. Yeah. You missed it. Just done. But now, give us a couple hours, we'll have it posted, and you can listen to it. See how this works. It's going to be great. It's so good. So uh, let's get to the rest of the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to? White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney appeared on CBS News on Sunday. He talked about President Trump's continued confidence in Chief of Staff John Kelly. This comes amid reports the President is unhappy with Kelly's handling of this of last week's resignation of two White House staffers, Rob Porter and David Sorensen, who were accused of domestic abuse by their ex-wives. Mulvaney said the West Wing continues to function. It functions well. I hear that I'm being considered for replacing the chief of staff, and you'd think that someone would have mentioned that to me, he continued, averting that uh, Trump believes Kelly's doing a great job. Mulvaney also addressed the situation with Porter and Sorensen, denying that there is a lax attitude towards domestic violence in the White House. The LA Times uh, had this to report. It says, over and over again, the past few days, various White House aides have buttonholed reporters to tell them that they think Kelly either lied to them or tried to get them to lie about what he knew and when he knew it. Really? That's like the big thing going on right now is that Kelly's trying to put out this alternate story that says he fired him within 40 minutes of knowing, not like two or three days later, and then he actually resigned. He didn't get fired. You know, yeah. Whatever. Okay. All it comes down to is, as you pointed out with previous discussions we've had 
they mismanaged the message. It's yeah, you gotta be the, so disciplined. This is a horrible situation. But later on, you know, like when the nation's in a crisis, yeah, how are we managing the message? Then can America listen to the White House and get the right and information? Trust, right. And, you know, yeah, all that stuff's yeah. involved with that. Autopsy results have been released for Stephen Paddock, the gunman who killed 58 people and wounded 500 more in the mass Las Vegas shooting in October. Did it help? Did they find out anything? No. They, they found that a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Of course, they knew that when they walked in the room. Uh, they also found that he had anti-anxiety medication in his system at the time of his death, which is, you know, something mm. a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, authorities said it did not shed light on his motive for the attack. It seems that based on the autopsy reports, there were no physical excuses for what he did. Um, and his brother says we may never understand why he did this. Yeah. Uh, Which means conspiracy theories. Right. Because that's what happens. When there's no answer, that means they're hiding something. Here it comes. It's already started. It's already happening. Unilever, the world's second biggest marketer, our marketing spender, is threatening to pull its advertising from digital platforms such as Google and Facebook if they create division, foster hate, or fail to protect children. This out of the Financial Times. Hmm. Unilever CEO Kenneth Weed, or Keith Weed, is uh, speaking at the Interactive Advertising Bureau Conference on Monday. Uh, the company shared portions of his speech ahead of time. So two key quotes. Unilever will not invest in platforms or environments that do not protect our children or which create division in society and promote anger or hate. We will prioritize investing only in responsible platforms that are committed to cre- uh, creating a positive impact on society. Oh. So don't put our ads next to, you know, junk, basically, is what they're saying. As one of the largest advertisers in the world, we cannot have an environment where our consumers don't trust what they see online. We cannot continue to prop up a digital supply chain, one that delivers over a quarter of our advertising to our customers, which at times is a little better than a swamp in terms of transparency. Wow. So if you want all of our millions and millions and millions, you need to clean up your act, Facebook and Google. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Because now you've got, I mean, this is this is big money. Unilever soap and household products and all kinds of stuff. And they're like, if you want it, you have to, you know, clean up your act. And Facebook and Google have been slow to react when it comes to, you know, stuff that, I mean, there's videos and articles and all kinds of clickbaity type things that are out there. And they just, they keep saying they want to clean it up, but it keeps showing up. Yeah. It's like, fix your system. Finally, Russian security officers have arrested several scientists working at a top-secret Russian nuclear warhead facility for allegedly mining cryptocurrencies. (laughs) The suspects had tried to use one of Russia's most powerful supercomputers to mine Bitcoin. Oh, boy. The Federal uh, Nuclear Center in Western Russia is a restricted area. The supercomputer was not supposed to be connected to the Internet because their supercomputer, other countries want to put, you know, malware and different programs yeah, into it to yeah. find out what they're doing with their super secret weapons program. <laughs> right. Mm. But the the scientists hooked it up to the internet because they want to mine Bitcoin because it was at one point $20,000 a Bitcoin. <laughs> now it's like $6,000. But still, they're mining Bitcoin. Uh, so they they said to prevent, uh, so one scientist attempted to, once they attempted to connect it, the center's security department was alerted. The, uh, the, the, uh, scientists were handed over, it says, handed over to the Federal Security Service, which is the FSB, which is their FBI, CIA, yeah. intelligence groups, the Russian News Service says, the official PR group for this facility, which is funny, it's a secret facility, it's not on any map, 
There's several miles of like restricted zone all around yeah, this area. It's protected. But they have a PR agency that, that discusses <laughs> stuff with the media. Judy and PR will take and care of it. They said <laughs> as far as they know, they have been arrested. Okay. I, which is by the way, that's a very matter of that's like that's as that's as succinct as they're going to get. That is as I, I, I don't, sure as they can be. I don't think the situation that they have been arrested is at issue. It's what has happened since. As far as we they're know, not sure where they're at. What they're their really taking care of the situation people. is where the, you know. So it was very ominous. You're like, whoa. <laughs> that actually seems like the big downside to the cryptocurrency world, though. Right? Is that Russia could or anybody mm. could just dedicate an entire spy agency to go get all that money. Get all the Bitcoin, yeah. The problem is that when it was first started with Bitcoin, you could do it in your house. Yeah. But apparently as people keep using it, it becomes more and more difficult to actually create a Bitcoin. So you need more and more computing power. And it becomes just hugely – so you need like – you can't just do it on your PC at home. Right. You have to have a – as I said, a supercomputer really help with the computations. It's a math formula that they're 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 going through to create a Bitcoin. And so you also need you need a computer that's hugely powerful and all the power. Mm. There's places in China where people are setting up next to hydroelectric plants, Holy tapping cow. in so they can have enough power. You know, I don't think I will ever. That's a big deal. Understand crazy. Bitcoin it's, ever? It's bonkers. Even I've listened to multiple people try to. We've had people on the show try to explain it. Yeah, and I, you're like, okay, <laughs> that sounds like you know clear as mud. I I don't know that you're supposed to understand it. No. I, my mind just always goes to the coins that you collect in Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it's like that. Is it? Yeah, or, or it's got to be somehow related. I think it's very close to Mario coins. <laughs> as long as it makes that noise, yeah. I'll, I'll be interested. And then there's the bit mushroom, too. Every once in a while, there's a mushroom that'll come up that if you hit the mushroom, special powers come upon you. Yeah. Look for that, too. Don't eat the one with, like, the skull and the crossbones no. on it, though. That's a bad shroom. So uh, <laughs> let's get to some other news. Um, the news, the lesser known news. Jeff, what if uh, I know you're always trying to track down some news for us. What, what, what should we be focused well, on? Well, since we're in the midst of the Olympic Games, I thought it would be fun to do some Mat Libs, but Olympic edition. Oh, excellent. All right. So A I'm, game. I'm going to give you yeah. uh, the eight sports okay. that are no longer in existence. I better get my pen ready. Okay? Okay. And two of them were never in existence at the Olympics. So there's eight sports that are no longer in existence, except two of those eight actually have never existed as an Olympic event. Correct. Okay. All right. So the first one we have— Why don't we, we go have... for 20 next time? <laughs> okay. We've never done more than eight. All right. Um, the first one is one I'm sure you're very familiar with. What? You've probably played in it before. Tug of War. Tug of War at the Olympic Games. Are we talking the Winter Olympics? I'm not specifying whether it's winter or summer. Okay. Just saying at the Olympics. Okay. Tug, Tug of, of War. Yes. Would be the first one. Okay. There's a game called Roke. 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 It's it's kind of like croquet, except there is a wall that you can use to bounce the balls off of. Okay. Roke. 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 Okay. There's distance. Plunging. Would you like to know what this is? Not really, but I guess I need to. (laughs) Distance plunging, you jump into the water, and instead of trying to swim really fast or trying to not make a big splash, you jump in the water, 
and you just see how far your body. Will carry with the water without moving a muscle. So how deep you can go into the water? And once you can no longer breathe, that's when you come up out of the water. Not how deep, but you just you go. You're close to the surface of the water,、yeah. and you kind of just you just let it flow. Coast. All right.、Wow. So that's distance plunging. Okay. There's synchronized pie eating. Synchronized pie eating. So. Most pie eating competitions that you would participate in, you're trying to see who can eat the most, the highest number of pies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, you are trying to mimic the pie consumption of your I, partner. My wife last night was saying how much she loves synchronized sports. Okay, so this would that would be it could be could be a real one favorite for her. There's the horse long jump,、mm. which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You're doing a long jump. But with a jockey on a horse, okay, okay. Boy, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> We've got distance spitting. Okay, distance spitting again. Exactly what it sounds like.、Uh, you're just trying to get the saliva from your mouth to project as far as it possibly the, can. These are the eight、um, Olympic. Game activities that used to be in the Olympics. Two of these happen to be fake. Correct. Okay. We've got solo synchronized swimming. Solo synchronized swimming. So synchronized swimming with one person. Okay. Okay. Who are they? <laughs> Who are they syncing with? I'm not going to tell you. A coach on the sideline. But、line? it's solo synchronized swimming. And then the last one. Hundred meter freestyle for sailors. Hundred meter freestyle.、Uh, so again, very similar to a hundred meter freestyle. Yeah, but、uh, you can only participate in it if you're a sailor. <laughs> do you want to answer those now, or do you want to think about it and、Let's, then we can come back to it later? Um. You probably probably just want to figure it out.、Now. I probably just want. It's just one of those things you just want to get out of your system. What are you trying to say?、Um, okay, so here's the way this is going to roll.、Uh, tug of war absolutely was in. Roke, I'm going to say was in. I'm going to bet distant plunging was even in. I would say horse long jumping was in. Distant spitting was in. So I got to get rid of one more. Okay, hundred meter freestyle for sailors. So the two that weren't was solo synchronized swimming, and synchronized pie eating. What? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll 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 help you feel a little better about yourself. Okay, one of those was correct. So synchronized pie eating was not an Olympic sport. Yes. However, solo synchronized swimming was. How it started out as that, and then once people realized how ridiculous it was, they quickly added more people. It's it was meant to be synchronized to music. Oh, but people just thought it was ridiculous. Yeah,、um, distance plunging was a thing, so it was ridiculed for its lack of athleticism. Oh yeah, and Gerald Barnes. I have no idea who that is. Suggested it favored mere mountains of fat who <laughs> fall in the water more or less successfully and depend upon inertia to get their points for them. Yeah. 
And then for the 100-meter freestyle for sailors, only three men from Greece entered. They all swam very slowly. They all <laughs> finished on the podium. And that was the end of that. So distance spitting was not a thing. Wow. <laughs> but some of these are so ridiculous, it sounds like it could very well be things. Distance plunging is okay. Distance spitting, not appropriate. Yeah. I mean, if if distance Mess. plunging were a sport, then everybody would be amazing at it. Oh, yeah. Just well, yeah. don't move for 60 seconds. <laughs> you get a gold medal. Not everyone would be great at it. Right, like your wife. Your wife. It's not, you mentioned that she's always got to be moving. Yes. Tried to watch a show with her, yeah. a show that she suggested. Yep. The Olympics. Yep. She couldn't do it. No, nope. she's got to go get her work done. So she would finish dead last in distance ah. plunging. Ah, yeah, she's not a great plunger. Um, but who who is really? Who who really is a great plunger? plumbers? Plumbers are great plungers. Well, thank you. That's a that's very insightful about the Olympics. How far we have come, right? Hey, up next we're going to be talking about the world's easiest happiness booster. What activity is the fastest way to boost your happiness level? We'll talk about it straight ahead. know that exercising is a great way to kickstart our day and feel better. And even most of us struggle, though, to keep a consistent uh, approach to our exercise. New research, though, shows that we don't even have to break a sweat in order to reap the benefits of exercise. Here to speak with us today is Greg Panza, the primary author of that study. And Greg is an exercise physiologist at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut whose research has focused on the effects of exercise on cardiovascular health. Greg, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's interesting. Um, as we talk about exercise, I mean, it's like everybody knows what we need to be doing, it's, but it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to make it consistent. In your research, though, you've been finding out um, uh, a lot of, I guess, not I mean, new, but new, new concepts about exercise. Talk to us about really what is the number one benefit that, that you found in your research as to why exercise matters. Sure. Well, it's actually interesting. So the reason why we did our study um, is because there was a study that was actually published in 2015, and it showed that participants who participated in vigorous intensity physical activity actually reported lower levels of well-being. So this message could uh, develop a problem for folks who engage in intense physical activities, um, but it also sends a message to the general public saying, well, if too high of intensity of exercise can have negative effects on my well-being, then maybe I shouldn't be exerting myself too much. And then the next thing you know, it becomes a reason to sit around more. So, hmm. um, so there was, what we found, though, was there was a strong limitation to that study, and it was the way that they collected information on physical activity intensity because it was self-reported. Uh, um, so this can be an issue because people inter interpret intensity of physical activity differently. You know, factors like uh, age, physical fitness, or even personality type can affect that. So what we wanted to do was we actually wanted to re-examine the research question of, are there certain intensities of physical activity that someone can participate in that may result in better subjective well-being? So it's the positive and negative evaluations that people make of their lives. 
So what we did was we examined that same research question among 419 healthy middle-aged adults, but instead we used objective measurements to measure physical activity and intensity. So we use what these things are, they're called accelerometers. They're little motion sensor devices right. that you wear on your hip, and they measure the acceleration or the, of the trunk or the hip, and really they have the capacity to document volume and intensity of activity. Uh, so we had them wear this for a period of uh, four days, two weekend days, two weekdays, um, and this gave us an objective measurement of what their physical activity intensity was. And so we measured sedentary behavior, so like lounging around, sitting, sleeping, or light, moderate, or vigorous intensity physical activity. But we also had them complete several questionnaires that evaluated their levels of well-being. So this include, included measurements of quality of life, depression, and actually even body pain, because we know that body pain can be an important indicator of well-being. So what we actually found was that those who participated in the most sedentary behavior actually reported the lower, lowest levels of well-being. Well, that might not be all that surprising, but what was very interesting about what we found was that out of all the intensities of exercise that we collected, the participants who participated in primary, primarily light physical activity actually reported the highest levels of well-being and wow. included the highest levels of quality of life and the lowest levels of depression. But we also found that those who participated in moderate intensity exercise also reported significantly better quality of life, but it wasn't as good as those who participated in the light intensity activity. But just to kind of go back, if you remember, I told you about the study from 2015 yeah. that found high intensity exercise negatively associated with self-reported well-being. Well, our findings actually didn't support this because we found no association um, that showed vigorous intensity exercise um, associated with higher or lower levels of well-being. So we kind of debunked what wow. they found using objective measurements, but we found this new thing where, well, the people that just, you know, had the sed most sedentary time reported the highest or the lowest levels of well-being, but those who participated in light intensity actually reported the highest levels. So, boy, um, it, it's I guess this is this is science in right you know right in the heart of it all, because the, the, if I if I have kind of the lowest intensity makes me happiest, right? Um, then, in a way, that's kind of scary, right? Because yeah. I I could be watching Netflix and still dying of cardiovascular disease. Or uh, not being as healthy as I need to be, so is but but I would but I feel happiest. So I guess you're saying some exercise would still make you would make you feel happier, but you don't have to think that you don't have to go do the hardest levels of exercise. Exactly. So there's really like a you know there's a few take home messages I would say from from our study. Um, it's you know we confirmed the previous studies, of course that. Higher levels of sedentary behavior are associated with lower, you know, well-being. Um, so what this provides proof that really doing something is better than nothing. Right. Um, you know, so people that thought that uh, vigorous intensity, you know, the you know more is better type of attitude. Well, we show that as far as for mental or you know mental well-being, that's not the case. Thank heavens. Yes. <laughs> that's so. So really. Um, no exercise, not great. Too much exercise, not happy, well, doesn't induce happiness. Too much happiness. exercise it doesn't show a po – we didn't find a positive or negative effect. So, right. you know, when you have a study that like the one that came out in 2015, well, that 
almost gives people a reason like why to not. I don't want to I don't want to exercise too much because it may make me feel sad or you know upset or well we found that you know if you're somebody who is already exercising a lot well you know keep on doing it because it's not going to affect your at least your mental well-being um, you know of course there's differences between you know your psychological health and your physical health you know physical um there's more of a, there seems to be more of a dose response relationship as far as physical like you know re- reduction in body fat or losing weight um you know reducing your blood pressure and things like that but when it comes to psychological health it doesn't appear that you need so much right well and this is probably a really hopeful thing a powerful um research for somebody out there that's maybe that feels depressed that is a little down that is that 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 also is overwhelmed by the thought that I've got to go do some vigorous workout but really I guess all you're saying you need to do is some light to moderate workout uh, yes yep. to, to get a little happiness boost exactly and kind of to just give you a better idea as far as you know how much time these people were spending yeah. doing these activities because we more so focused on the intensity of them but you know what's very important too is you know the amount of time in in each of these intensities so you know so what we found was those who spent approximately three and a half hours doing light physical activity per day r- reported the highest levels of psychological well-being and the lowest levels of depression but this doesn't mean that people need to be exercising at the gym at light intensity for three and a half hours a day. You know, examples of light physical activity are simply walking around the office, you know, at work, a leisurely walk around the shopping center, you know, with no noticeable increase in breathing. So in other words, you know, out of a full 24-hour day, just don't be sitting, sleeping, sitting still, or lounging for three and a half hours of those 24-hour day of the 24 hours in the day, and you could see improvements in your well-being. Of course, according to our study, that's amazing. Which is why I guess more and more we hear people talking about you know stand more, get up regularly, go get more drinks, get to the restroom more. I mean, just stay moving. Exactly. That's powerful. So actually, one of the one of the sayings that's going around now is that sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. Which and makes you wonder, true. yeah, yeah. And I, we all thought that vaping was the new smoking. <laughs> but uh, really, sitting is becoming – I mean, I guess, I guess that's the power of what you're studying. As an exercise physiologist, um, I, I guess the idea is anything we can do to debunk some of the myths that might keep people from exercising right. and do whatever we can to just keep people moving. Right. Do Do you see – um, are these benefits more apparent when we when we exercise every single day? What about those that only are exercising a couple times a week? Not not even just. I mean, you, you're suggesting we stay moving all the time, or not all the time, but you know, three hours a day, three and a half hours a day, which isn't much when you really think about how much you got to get done. This doesn't have to just be exercise, though, right? Um, no, no. So, what one thing that's especially you know. The terms exercise and physical activity actually get used interchangeably a lot, but there's actually differences between the two. So physical activity is more so things like, you know, walking to your car, walking around the shopping center, um, whereas exercise is more planned, structured activity, like going to the gym and getting on the treadmill. Um, So what we looked at in our study was primarily physical activity and not necessarily the structured exercise. So um, there are 
guidelines from the American College of Sports Medicine and the American Heart Association that are more specific to to exercising. Um, and to kind of just give you an idea of those, uh, they you know they really recommend yeah. for cardio respiratory exercise and all those types of exercise to get your heart rate up, like um, you know jogging or briskly walking. So they recommend doing that at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per week. Um, and that's could be done either over a five-day period if it's moderate intensity or uh, over a three-day period if it's vigorous intensity. And then, of course, they recommend resistance exercise um, on two to three days per week and then flexibility exercise for two to three days per week and then neuromotor exercise, which are exercises that involve, you know, balance, agility, and coordination, and gait, and that's also two to three days per hmm. week. So, but what you do is you do these concurrently with one another. So, you know, you can do, if you're at the fitness facility for an hour, maybe you do 20 minutes of, uh, you know, walking on the treadmill, and then 20 minutes of resistance exercise, and 10 minutes of flexibility. So you can combine them all into a single session. So those are... Those are guidelines that have been established for, um, you know, healthy adults aged 18 to 64. Um, but again, those are more specific to exercise itself, where our findings are more so for, like we were talking about before, just getting out of the chair yeah. at work, physical activity. Tell me what happens to our body mm-hmm. that that so impacts when we're exercising or just um, when we're out moving around and being yeah. active, what is actually happening to our body and our chemistry that yeah. that changes and, and it creates such a positive effect? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things that people often think about when they talk about the, the benefits of exercise and physical activity is, is like more of the physical benefits, the losing weight, reducing their body fat, lowering the blood pressure. But what often gets forgotten are those psychological benefits. So like reduced depression, anxiety, stress, um, improving your mood, happiness, and even improving your sleep. Um, So I would say there's probably two primary underlying mechanisms that can really be attributed to, you know, the exercise and physical activity improving our mood. The first, you know, being the physiological. Um, So that would be the fact that exercise and physical activity actually increases blood circulation to the brain. Mm. So this increases the release of endorphins. Many people might think of that as like the runner's high. Um, so these endorphins are they're a type of neurotransmitter or chemical messenger that can help relieve pain and stress. But also physical activity and exercise releases dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and these are all important in regulating your mood. But there's more. So exercise and physical activity also increases the levels of a protein called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So it's BDNF. And there have been studies that show that low levels of BDNF have been actually associated with mood disorders like depressive disorder and bipolar disorder. Mm. So now the second major thing I think, and this is also often forgot, is that um, exercise and physical activity can increase your mood and happiness simply by distracting you from upsetting thoughts that might be bringing you down, you know, as well as the social benefits that come from exercising with others, especially like in a group fitness class, which have become very popular, you know, or simply going for a walk with a friend. You know, these are the types of things that can increase confidence. They allow for more social interaction, which can, of course, help with, you know, improving your mood and happiness.
Man, uh, boy, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. Again, we're speaking with Greg Panza, who is a, currently a doctoral candidate at the University of Connecticut, and is an exercise phy- physiologist at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut. And um, his research has been focusing on the effects of exercise on cardiovascular health. I guess with all the chemistry um, going on, I mean, and, and again, it is more social. It is a great distraction. And the, I think the powerful thing to realize is we don't have to – it's not about the abs and the, you know, the, the hard, taut body, really. Right. It's, about, it's about just moving, it seems like. Exactly. And and I think that's one of the misinterpretations when it comes to exercise and physical activity is people, you know, they they do if they do something they immediately want to see some kind of, you know, physical result and they're not really paying attention to the way it may be making them feel psychologically. So I urge people that when they start doing more physical activity or start an exercise program to think about those changes before some of the physical changes because that might be more or at least equal to the amount of a motivator than as seeing those actually, you know, physical changes. Do you think our – because there is the psychology behind it. There's a lot of money behind, you know, the clothes, the apparel, the gym memberships and all of that. Um, have we just overcomplicated it at all now in our heads? Um, well <laughs> – most likely, yes. Um, that's why I think where it needs to start is probably in the healthcare field. Um, you know, there's there's these initiatives that have been started. Like, you know, there's this one called Exercises Medicine, mm. and that starts with the physicians and the healthcare providers telling their patients, well, rather than prescribing them just medications, right, trying to get them to move more, to to sit less as a first, you know, as a first thing to try rather than prescribing them something. So, you know, I, I work in a, a cholesterol clinic and um, actually work in, I work in preventive cardiology, which many people hear preventive cardiology and they're like, what in the world? <laughs> like, preventive medicine is, is, doesn't exist all that much in this country, unfortunately. Right. Um, so what we try to do is we encourage our patients to, especially, you know, if they're on the borderline of, of having to maybe prescribe medication is to first try lifestyle modification. And we, of course, always encourage, you know, increased physical activity. Um, And then we'll have them come back in about, you know, three or four months, have them do blood work again, and see if that type of intervention works first, rather than just prescribing them the medication. So, you know, like you were saying is, of course, you know, having the, the, the apparel and everything like that could you know, be an inf- or more of a negative influence on people expecting to, you know, be these hardcore exercises and everything. Right. But I think if they can go to their doctor and their doctors t- are telling them this, people tend to trust their physicians. So no, I think that would be a, a, a great step, at least and, in the right direction. And it seems like a doctor can pretty much tell you anything. <laughs> and <laughs> you got to take it. I mean, that's the prescription. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what? It's I think it's great insight for all of us, Greg. Thank you so much for your time and for the the, the research you're doing there at Hartford Hospital in Connecticut. Really, folks, it's, it, is it that simple? The, the key is movement. The key is activity. You know, get in the the harder core exercises as well. But, you know, if you want to make yourself feel better, get a little happiness booster in your life, maybe the best thing you can do is just go get a drink, go for a walk, 
stand up a little bit more, move a little bit more while you're at the office or around the around your house. We'll continue the journey, folks. A little Coach's Corner up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Welcome back. You know, uh, one of the things that I found can make us happier is if we would just be real with who we are and and truly just, you know, be real. A lot of us just don't dare reveal who we are because we're I guess we're afraid that they'll reject me. They'll they'll were afraid that if they actually knew who I was, they wouldn't want me. They wouldn't like me. And so it creates bigger problems for us. We, we've been talking about on the show uh, with the earlier guest about the impact of our exercise, and it's just a little tiny thing. You just need a little activity to start to make those chemicals flow. The same is true in our lives, in our relationships. If we could just be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more real about what's going on, man, a lot of good stuff could, could, um, could be improved in our lives. Uh, this last week I did a date night um, – had about 1,100 people there or so, and it was super fun. And what we talked a lot about it, were some of the things that, that might get in the way um, of us actually being and making our best relationships work. Usually, I believe, because we're so vulnerable, we're so afraid, but we don't dare show that we're vulnerable. So I, I put together a, a few points of advice I wanted to just make sure we got out to you today um, it, because Valentine's is coming up. And, and we can't afford to mess this up, folks. And you're going to need more than just, you know, a quick trip to the mall to pick up some flowers and some chocolate. Maybe what would be more valuable are, are a few of these other rules. One rule is simply be wholehearted. Uh, Brene Brown, a great uh, speaker and author, researcher on on vulnerability, talks about the fact that many of us just really aren't really – we're not wholehearted. We're not wholly in our relationships. We're not even wholly in our job. We're not fully in. And if you're not fully in, you can't derive any benefits of life. If you're not all the way in, then you're you're only getting half as good as, as you could be at something. You're only offering half your talent, half – of your love, half of your understanding. And so how hearted are you is the question I ask. When we talk about being a wholehearted person, and if you thought about your marriage, how wholehearted are you giving in your marriage? How wholeheartedly are you present in your marriage? Um, And Brene Brown has a great quote that says, we spend an enormous energy trying to dodge vulnerability when it would take far less effort to face it straight on. Are you so busy fighting and flighting in your relationships? Are you so uh, up and down? Are you so constantly wondering if you're going to be able to make it through this crazy difficult thing that that by being so constantly in and out and up and down and trying to avoid being hurt, are you actually just creating more pain and problems for yourself? So one of the suggestions might be burn your ships um, Cortez, I guess the the story goes when he came uh, to conquer and he arrived to conquer. He one of the, the things that he decided to do 
was to supposedly burn his ships and make it so the soldiers or his people, when they went off to fight, they weren't allowed to uh, ever come back to the ships because the ships would need to be rebuilt. Many would argue they probably didn't burn them, but he just made them unusable. To uh, So it would take a lot of work to actually ever use the ship again. But how are you in your relationships? Have you made it so that you aren't constantly reverting back to the idea that, hey, I'm just going to – I can always leave. Um, one of the signs of a, a relationship that's really gone sideways is we start to uh, you know, search alternatives. We start to think about what we would do. Uh, or we start to look at other people. We start to look at other things. We start to, you know, offload our attention and our focus to something else, to some other hobby or something else that actually starts to take the place of our relationship. So think about that. How are you at uh, being fully in in your relationship? And throughout this week, I'm going to continue to do little coaches' corners on other things we can do. At during the week of Valentine's, right, to make sure that we are connecting, to make sure that we are more wholeheartedly in our relationship, because that is one of the key goals of this show, is to help all of us be be the good in the world. And if we can, lift our game up uh, quite a bit in our relationships, those in those people that are closest to us. So we'll continue the journey up next. More empty news on the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Now to the empty news table, the empty news desk with Jeffrey Liam Simpson. This one sounds like a joke when you just read the headline for it. Yeah. Flight carrying 85 plumbers is forced to U-turn after an issue with the onboard toilets. So, you know, like every good joke, it starts with 85 (laughs) plumbers are on this airplane, right? (laughs) So, yeah, they're on this airplane. They're uh, They're going to Munich. And it's not clear why there were so many uh, specialist tradesmen on the plane. Weird. Uh, but uh, it's believed they were all part of the same company. The company's CEO, Frank Olson, said his staff were unable to intervene and correct the mid-flight problem because it could only be fixed via the exterior. Hmm. We would have liked to have fixed the restrooms, but unfortunately it had to be done from the outside. And we don't. we didn't risk sending a plumber to work at 32,000 feet. Yeah, who does that? That's really sad. You're not crazy. You don't want to cause, yeah, problems. How about this one? Yeah. A couple of, I don't want to call them yahoos, but people that, uh, (laughs) I knew it. A couple of guys that were making some poor choices. They were deciding to rob a store, and little did they know that the store was right outside a facility where SWAT team members were being trained. Oh, no. Yeah. Ah! So... Blasted! Yeah. So they took off in a Honda Pilot, which I thought was an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, it's a great car. They sped away from the store. They crashed into multiple cars before the group fled on foot. Oh, it just so boy. happened that all of Huber Heights administrative officers, detectives, and street crews were in the vicinity, as well as a large contingent from other departments taking part in a SWAT training. Multiple jurisdictions responded quickly, and we were able to set up a perimeter throughout the area. Really? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You can't win. If they can't choose a place away from a SWAT training, do they deserve to get whatever they're trying to get? It's almost as if these SWAT team members swatted these criminals into jail. 
That's kind of corny. Really? I meant in the best way possible. A.K.A. Slap in the face. Yes. <laughs> okay. So that's it. <laughs> Whoa. Excuse me. No, it's just... <laughs> you were expecting more? No, that's good. Okay. I feel bad. I feel bad that we make fun of criminals, first of all. Hmm. Because they've already got enough bad going for them. I feel bad that you make fun of me. Well, like I said, I feel bad that we make fun of criminals. Whoa. I don't know what it is. But just having fun with you. We will continue the fun, folks. Uh, we have one more hour, and uh, Dr. Brian Willoughby will be with us next hour. So much to uh, consider, so much to learn. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Happy Friday to... Or wow. Monday. This is the first it's day Monday. of the week, not the last day. I it's uh, I try to I try to be bring it up for Monday, but whenever I bring it up, it's really Friday. I'm bringing I'm usually yeah. up. Yeah. So you've just confirmed that in your mind you're already gone. Oh yeah. Wow. No no yeah. I'm already gone. This is my this is my busiest time of year. So I've got all these uh, fun speeches and and activities and but for some reason I think I've 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 I'm I've got a cold. My body hmm. is down. Just go take a nap. You'll be fine. But I just had some banana bread. And? You feel better? I feel a lot better. It's a sugar thing. You just need to balance <laughs> your sugar. I feel a lot, a lot better. We told my son to go to bed last night. How'd that go? He goes, what day? Do I have school tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I wish it was Friday. And I'm like, wow, you're going to have a long week, man. <laughs> yeah. Sunday night, you're going <laughs> to you're already wishing for the end. Ugh. He's already like me. Yeah. Maybe he's right going to be a broadcaster. Would, <laughs> you, let, would you let your son... No. Get a radio, get a job in broadcasting. He can do whatever he wants. My wife says he's an engineer. Hmm. Okay, so that's so. really the conversation at my house. Yeah, so that's pretty much over. That's I say, go for it. My wife's like, you're an engineer. I'm like, all right. Did you just say ninja Yeah. Because that is something I could get behind. He could do that too. Boy, a really smart ninja and engineer. A ninja That's a great idea for a show, by the way. The Some, ninja-neer. Somebody's going to think of it. I guess we just did. Well, someone that can do something about it. Well, Jeff can make shows. I've created multiple pilots for this show. No, you, you absolutely have. And we appreciate it. The IT guy? Yep. There's uh, the Happy Garden with Bob Moss. Mm-hmm. That didn't take off. No. That's actually, the thing that is, was your favorite of all those. I like Bob Ross. You've made a lot of pilots, just nothing is actually taken. The Tax Man See? is a gripping drama uh-huh. where it's it's kind of an old western, mm-hmm. but it's it's all about accountancy. See, so so that and then now the engineer. I think what we ought to do is that would be STEM STEM uh, STEM education at its mm-hmm. best slash and darkest martial arts assassin. 
I have a feeling this is going to be coming out soon. Yeah, this, this sounds like a really in-depth block, summer blockbuster. <laughs> the Ninjaneer, yeah. starring Ben Affleck. Of course. Because yeah. wasn't he, he, he was, was an the accountant, the accountant yeah. who was also some kind of an assassin. Right? But he was assassin, but not like, I don't think because he was a great fighter, like a ninja. He He's was all. a killer of numbers. He's, He's was, all. The books are closed. I mean, you know, that would be a tagline. Yeah. Echo. And then the next thing, all you see, it's pitch black. And then two eyes, pink, open up in the middle of a dark room. Mm. The Ninjaneer. You lose I-9. Well, we're still working on it. We're, we're still working like on it. Tax document yeah. jokes. All right. It's not all. It's not all going to hit. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> so that's going on. the The Olympics are still going on. Hmm. Apparently, well, it's, not right now. It's two weeks. I mean, right now it's sleeping. like one o'clock in the morning. So yeah. But they say really the, it's the, the party nightlife. never stops though. They say it's the nightlife. Yeah. Which I heard. Have you heard much about the neurovirus outbreak? The flu? No. Okay. But I I did hear and. Um, I feel bad, but apparently the uh, bird flu mm. has hit Kensington Palace and oh. 30 of the queen's um, geese, oh. no, swans, of course, have taken ill and have died Wow! from the flu virus. True story. So the queen herself very well could lose a flock of swans. Hmm. Okay. So I just want everybody to be careful won't, won't, out there. Won't you just get more swans? Oh, you're acting like she has no connection to these swans. Really, don't think so. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things around her that she has no connection to. She's, just, no, I, she's named them all. Swanee McSwanface, Swanee McSwanlander. Yeah, she. Um, one of the things that Margaret I've, Thatcher. Yeah, <laughs> Winston. I've been um, I've been watching The Crown a lot lately. Isn't it over? At some point, it ends. Well, I mean, but you've got to watch every one of them. There's you haven't watched them all. No. Oh. So I watched The Crown, and mm. one thing I did notice is mm. she likes to she likes guns. Yes. She likes hunting, You're crawling around. She, yeah, she with, crawled with around in the dirt. Yeah, and it's awesome. I mean, she is honestly, she's a tough cookie. Mm-hmm. That woman is a tough, tough cookie. Hmm. She's got it. She's tougher than her kids. Did you see the episode with Jackie Kennedy? Yeah. Yeah, they had a little rivalry going on. Who plays Jackie Kennedy on the show? A woman with brown hair. Oh. Yeah. It's not too surprising <laughs> that she's that tough, gun-touting woman. She's going to play, I, I've heard, she's going to play the girl with the dragon tattoo. The queen? Yes. The, the queen's queen. going to play that role? Yes. Hmm. I it's know. a community theater. I didn't know she was an actress like that. Uh, anyway... So I feel bad for the queen because she does love nature. She loves, she loves hunting. She I loves. I mean, she'd have a different opinion if her corgis died rather than the swans. No, absolutely. She has some uh, puppies. She, she loves her dogs as well. Yeah. Um, okay, a little update from the Crown right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Let's now get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? Vice President Mike Pence told the Washington Post that the United States and South Korea have agreed on terms for further engagement Woo. with North Korea. On his trip back from the Olympics ceremonies. Yes. Sweet. Last couple of days, Pence said he had two substantive conversations with South Korean President Moon in a, and explained that the engagement would begin with South Koreans and the North, United States would follow. While American sanctions will continue towards the North Korean regime, the U.S. is now willing to sit down and talk with North Korea 
He said that the maximum pressure campaign is going to continue and intensify. But if you want to talk, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. It's no problem. Not a big deal. We're not going to give you cookies. Yeah. You'll get those later if the talks move in a direction we approve. <laughs> then the Keebler Elves come, come a-knocking. Okay. <clears throat> Organizers of the South Korean Winter Olympics on Sunday confirmed the game's opening ceremony was hit by a cyber attack late Friday. Oh, no. But they declined to disclose the source of the attack. See, isn't this interesting? Do you remember when Utah had the Olympics? You were so worried. This was right after 9-11 mm-hmm. about all these other kinds of attacks. You wouldn't always think of a cyber attack. No. But apparently, the Olympics have been hit. Organizers have stressed that the attack affected only the internet and Wi-Fi systems during the opening ceremony. The location of the Winter Games, a mere 50 miles from the border with North Korea, prompted warnings from security experts that the event would be a prime target for hackers, uh, particularly from North Korea. Russian hackers were also suspected of by experts of preparing possible cyber attacks as they have been greatly banned from the Olympics yeah. and blamed for doping. Now, this is probably why Intel, they were supposed to have a, a huge drone presentation for the Olympics, have a bunch of uh, a t- a individual drones acting together to form the Olympic rings and all this. Crazy. Right. They couldn't do it. There was a problem, probably because they didn't have Wi-Fi to run the drones. You need your Wi-Fi to run. Okay. This finally Bummer. explains that story. I couldn't understand why the drones didn't happen. See, and that let you down. Yeah, I want to see some drones. That was going to be the big moment for you at the Olympics. Yeah, be like, drones, okay, we're done. Wrap it up. <laughs> Next. <laughs> the Trump administration taking steps in to turn the International Space Station into a commercial venture, the Washington Post reports, citing an internal NASA document uh, that reportedly details the, a gradual transformation with the White House to stop federal funding for the station after 2024, at which point a transition process would begin that could turn the orbiting laboratory over to the private sector. The decision to end the direct federal support for uh, the ISS, not ISIS, but the International that's, Space Station, the other thing, yeah. in 2025 does not imply that the platform itself will be deorbited at that time, meaning, you know, yeah. crashed into the atmosphere. It's possible that industry could continue to operate uh, certain elements or capabilities of the station as part of a future commercial platform. Elon Musk, are you yeah. listening? Are you interested? I bet he is. But and, and I used to think that that was kind of a scary idea. But because it, Privatize it? Yeah. yeah. But Elon Musk is proving, you know what, maybe it's not such a weird thing. Right. And... I mean, government would still have to control it, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of advancement that comes out. But what would happen if we turned some of this infrastructure? Everyone's always like, we don't need the post office. We've got UPS. Just turn the postal system right. over to UPS. Mm-hmm. But what would happen if we do turn some of our roads and some of these things over? Yeah, what would happen? I don't know. Probably yeah. more money injected <laughs> into the system somehow. One high school in Wintica. Feels yeah. good. That feels right. That feels all right. Illinois. Seeing double as part of their daily routine, that's because the sophomore class at New Trier High School in the Chicago suburbs is full of twins. Uh-oh. What happened? They set two Guinness World Records, most twins and most multiples in a single academic year at one school. The sophomore class at this high school boasts 44 sets of twins and one set of triplets. Hmm. In all, about 10% of the sophomore class is compromised of multiples, a class with over 1,000 students. 91 in the record-setting bunch exceed the national average for multiples by nearly three times. Uh, new trier school shattered the previous record of 24, held by a nearby school, Hillcrest Middle School. Okay, so something is going on over there. It's in the water. Something's in the water. Now, admit it. If you were a twin, wouldn't you mess with people? Yes, Absolutely. 
But let me just suggest, can I just throw this out there? My new my daughter just announced she's having an she's having babies. That's right. Twins. Her brother, her brother and sister-in-law also having twins. And they're good friends. Yeah. Also having twins. There's something in that water. There's and you invited in that water. family over and they had some of that water too. Yes. See, even in the college setting though, wouldn't you send your sibling in to take a test for you? They'd Absolutely. never be able to tell. How could they tell? I mean, unless both of you were in the college, but how would they know? But you know what that's called, Jeff? That's called cheating. That's why we yes. don't do it. It's dishonest. I'm actually quite quite offended you brought it I'm, up. <laughs> and you know what? I hope your mother and father aren't listening. Because <laughs> that would really hurt them. I imagine they taught you better. I Yeah, I'm sure they're going to be offended by my hypothetical twin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. And a second, finally. Yeah. A uh, lawsuit filed in Orange County Superior Court does allege that the leader of one Disneyland social club threatened another if he didn't pay $500 as protection. What? Really? Social clubs started popping up at Disneyland in 2013. Now there are about 100 of them with boasting more than 100 members. Some of the clubs do. The LA Times is reporting this. Members wear vests with patches featuring the character of the clubs they're named after. In an ode to motorcycle gangs, instead of putting MC on their vests, they put SC for social club. Yeah. Typically, there's no beef between the clubs, and members say they wave when they pass each other. That's not the case between Main Street Fire Station 55 Social Club and the White Rabbits Social Club, though. In a lawsuit filed by Main Street Fire Station 55 founder John and Leslie Sarno, they claim that while they were planning a memorial walk at Disneyland in 2016 to raise money for families of firefighters who died in the September 11th attacks, uh, White Rabbits leader Jacob Fight approached John Sarno, telling him if he didn't pony up $500 for protection what? during the event, he would ensure that Sarno never got into Disneyland again. This is, Whoa! This is, this is amazing. Can you just picture people walking around, throwing around their attitude like, hey, we're the Toontown teens. Mm-hmm. You stay over on Tom Sawyer's Island, we'll stay in Toontown. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Wait, you... That's scary. Yeah, it's Disney crazy. Disney gangs. So Fight told the Times that in his podcast about Disney subcultures, yeah. of course there's a podcast. Right, right, right. He did question John Sarno's character and suggested he may be misleading his club members about the money they raise, but that's about it. Yeah. The lawsuit doesn't describe who or what Fight would uh, pr- protect the Sarnos from. I mean, it's Disneyland. What are you protecting people from? Uh, the seven, as this goes on, it goes, the seven dwarves, the roving bands of 10-year-olds hyped up on turkey legs and churro dust, or how could he possibly bar them from entering the happiest place on earth, but it does not ask for compensatory or punitive damages. They're just suing. Wow. Social clubs. You would Oof. think this wouldn't happen. And if you look them up, they'll have their, like, like a Levi or a leather jacket and the arms are cut off. They look like motorcycle gangs. Yeah. But they're like Donald Ducks on the back. Would you Mickey rather? Mouse. Would you rather be in the Jack Sparrows or the Garbage Pail Gang? Those are the guys that Jack go Sparrows. around. Well, yeah. Well, do you hear me out. The Garbage no. Pail Gang they go around as the garbage can percussionists. Yeah, you know those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd still rather be Jack Sparrows Gang. Really? The guy's got a sword. Well, they make you. Does this does this change your mind though? They make you, you know, kind of walk around bobbing your head like a bird, and they make you go ka ka. But, I mean, yeah, no. my, my thought is <laughs> social club meetings are super expensive. Yeah. You're just trying to get into Disneyland, and that takes loans, it's a fortune to get in the door. And these people are just showing up just to hang out together. No, but I, I think I think you're missing the point. The social club, you're not paying for – you're paying to just be able to associate with good people, 
Well, yeah, but good hearts. You could do that anywhere. Can you? But you need to do it right there on Main Street. Yeah, you got to protect your turf. <laughs> That's like you're paying to get into. It's really not your turf. It's and the weird thing is, there's just a lot of there's there could be a lot of clicks in mm. Disneyland. I mean, like these groups, these gangs, and some of them aren't as Social tough club. as others. Social clubs. Yeah. Social clubs. A lot Social of them. Clubs, yeah. A lot of them are just Mormon families that are there for a reunion. So they're all you know thirty people wearing the same shirt. Yeah, that could be misconstrued as a social club. That's how else are you <laughs> going to make sure you know who's part of your oh. group, gang, social club? It's you just better, the, jo- it's the Johnsons, but yes, no, I, I was just going to say the Johnsons. Well, that's kind of a generic Steer name. Steer clear so. of the Johnsons. Why are you guys so anti-Johnson? I know about twenty of them. So you do? Yeah. I know two of them, and they both make Band-Aids. There's a stereotype. Um, Just saying. You know two of them, and they make Band-Aids. Yeah. 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 Lots and lots of Band-Aids. Well, they need those there, too. Shampoo. They make shampoo. They make shampoo. And you don't cry when it gets in your eyes. (laughs) No more tears. (laughs) So, um, okay. We've got got a lot to cover. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to get – Ugh. Okay. Are those the Ugh. the pains that are coming from the banana bread you just ate? No. No, no, no. Um what have you got? I want to know, Jeff, what you've what you purchased for your wife for Valentine's Day. Crickets? You got her crickets. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that we're really getting each other anything for Valentine's. You know what I would get her if I were you? What's that? A furnace. We're working on it right now. There's somebody at our house as we speak. This is uh, like, I think the fourth person to come over. Yeah. And it was a cold weekend. So uh, we know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I've got an idea that I'm going to maybe have all of my girls partake in. Wednesday morning when I'm at work and they're waking up. Oh, neat. Got a little surprise for them. Okay. My wife did say that she got me a card. Okay. So you know what that means. We should have gone to your date night and gotten some better ideas. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this is why, uh, yeah. We, well, we are going out to a nice restaurant on Saturday night. Okay. Uh, Can't that be the gift? Does it have to be something, something that you wrap or can we just go to a restaurant and have that be the gift? Well, I mean, the deal is I don't think I don't think a trip to Nachos R Us is a great outing. You haven't seen the toppings there though. No. But I by the way, I guess that's where you were going. And apparently I guessed right. I feel so bad for your wife. It's a gourmet nacho bar, Matt. Gour- gourmet. Yeah. You can't eat it's tough to get a table there. You have to call weeks in advance. No. Well, also, you know why? Right when you get to the door, you'll have a little health code well, letter there, and I think the letter is F. That, and it's a cart. Yeah. And the guys get most of it yeah. out of a cooler anyways. Yeah. So, they're, yeah. They're, it's hard to get a seat there because it's a nacho cart. It's one of those places. In the parking lot of a – No, 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 no. They come by and they make all the ingredients in front of you. Things are lit on fire. Yeah, you are – that you open your mouth and they fling them into your mouth with the flame still on the nacho, by the way. Yeah. Nothing dangerous about that. Hmm. Acrobatic nachos. It's Coop. quite the scene. Nobody wants notch, flaming nachos thrown at them. Ask, just ask your – take your wife and then just ask her later. 
We'll, we'll see. We'll just see how that goes. Hey, up next, uh, we're going to give you some other insight into love and relationships, how our need to belong is the most common human need. Dr. Brian Willoughby will be joining us to uh, discuss love, and uh, all of us could do a little bit better there. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us is our good friend, Dr. Brian Willoughby. He's an associate professor in the School of Family Life right here at Brigham Young University. He also uh, is an expert that has focused his research on young adult dating and relationship patterns, along with other topics like dating, sexuality, cohabitation, marriage formation, and marital attitudes and beliefs. And by golly, he's got a great topic today. Yeah. Of all the needs... I guess we have uh, one of the most, I guess, essential, most basic is our need to belong. That's right. Yeah. Which is weird because you think that, you know, we want we have the need to, you know, to valid or to like become something. We have the need to, you know, obviously the physical needs, eat, drink, right. stuff like that. But yeah. you're saying even deeper is just this belonging. Right. It's this it's the social need that we have, the, the need that we want to belong with someone else. We want to fit in with other people other people. It's tied into actually a lot of different needs yeah. that we have. And is it, I mean, belong, I guess it, when you brought it up that way, it's, it's a social component. Right. And a lot of us, you know, especially in the United States, we talk so much about our independence. Right. We are so strong. And then mm-hmm. you hear motivational speakers that are like, it's about you. You right. can be the difference. Yeah. But you're saying our deep underlying need is I've got to belong to this group, right. this world. Yeah. And it's interesting because we, you're right. We live in a culture that's completely about me now, right? Yeah. I, I, from very early on, I have this life trajectory, these plans, these goals, all these things. I don't need anybody right. else anymore. I can make it on my own. But then when we do the research, everyone still says, yeah, but I kind of want a family. Yeah. Eventually. Well, and you, it's almost like for survival you have to fit in, right? And you 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 don't just want to fit in and be like a hanger on, or you want to like be integrated in. You want to be loved in and fully integrated into right. the group. Yeah, and really uh, deep down, what this is really about is it's not even just a sense of belonging with some group. Mm-mm. It's about creating shared meaning with someone. Yeah, and a small group of people that gets me. That's how a lot of people talk about this. Is I, I just want someone that gets me. Yeah, that and understands the, me, and that gets you. Like, because I think a lot of us have that fear. Um, oh, what's it called? It's like the fraud theory, um, where I, I think I'm a fake. Where, right. like, if you actually knew me, mm-hmm. you would not. You'd reject uh, me. The, the rampant in professors. That, is it? Is it? Oh, it's, yes. By the way, it's rampant. I think in everybody that's especially like in a in a, in a hierarchical job. It's right. terrifying. Yes. Yeah. It is. And, and you're right. Is we have that fear, and so that that need to belong to someone, that need. And that desire to to feel validated by someone is really, really strong. Mm. Which is probably where a lot of our relationship issues come from. Right. Because if I reject that you're worth it, that you're lovable, that you belong, Mm -hmm. then you probably get all self-protective. Right. 
Exactly. In fact, I was just sharing this with some of my students the other day. We were talking about infidelity and talking about how there's all this research that can actually predict who cheats on who while you're dating. So not even before you get married or or committed, but when you're dating. And one of the strongest predictors was invalidation in the relationship, where you're in a relationship where I don't feel like you care about my opinion. That, that, That was one of the strongest predictors of future infidelity. That is terrifying. Yeah. And I guess, too, if you don't know... Um, I mean, because we frame it like what I want is a wife. Right. But you're saying deeper down what I want is to belong and to know that I belong to somebody and to someone I'm special and I'm valid and I'm real and I'm safe. Yeah. And, and, and it gets me in that I can be vulnerable with. If you look – if you think back to the inferiority piece that you said, most of us go through our day, whether it's at work, with our friends or at school, and we've got a facade up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? We, yeah. We've got our best foot forward. We're careful and measured in what we say and how we act to people. And then we want to come home and we want to just be who we are. Yeah. And we want someone that gets that. When I, when I make a joke, I don't have to explain it. I don't have to worry there's going to be that awkward silence of, of what did you just say? Right. I, don't get, I want that. That's what we, we need. That's that belonging piece that we're looking for. And it seems like with um, – if I don't feel that in you, then I constantly – then I actually act with you more like I would as a coworker. Right. But – but I'm not going to be real. I'm not right. going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to admit error. Right. Exactly. And it gets exhausting oh. doing that. That's why in some ways that's why work is so exhausting. It's well, we have the work part, mm-hmm. but we have the social element of work settings and church settings and school settings. And so if we, if we come home and we're still in a relationship where we have to do that, that's actually why early relationships are so exhausting for us, why we, we need <laughs> breaks from that person right. because we are constantly trying to put our best foot forward sometimes. It, I always joke about how um, you know, when a lion is uh, – when a lion's trying to protect and, and look mean and, and scary, it's going to stand up. It's going to be on its, its hind legs. It, it's going to puff up. It's going to look big. Which is kind of how I think a lot of us attracted our wives. Right. Where we were out in the game to look big, and then we marry, and then. But when a lion's really comfortable, it doesn't right. look as macho and studly as it used to. Now it's right. rolling around in the dust, yeah, yeah, and exactly. it ain't so pretty to a lot of our our partners. Are like, I just yeah. kind of want what you used to be. Exactly. Yeah, and then part of it again, long term, that that aspiration of a relationship that we've been together fifty years that we want. One of the best indicators of a healthy relationship is can you sit in the same room in silence for an hour? And does that stress you out or not? You know, one person's reading a book, one person's watching that's, a show. That's a great test, yeah. Is, is, can you do that? Because if you can, there's vulnerability there. And it's funny. We think about vulnerability in terms of I can be honest and open. Yeah. About, and that's part of it. But it's also just being able to relax and let your guard down and not feel like you have to fill every second. It's so true. So if we don't feel this, and I think more and more people have this problem, it seems like. I mean, there's other professionals that are calling it like attachment disorders, right? right? Mm -hmm. And where you don't feel that safe belonging to someone. Yeah, you have that fear, that anxiety that if I let my guard down, if you really see who I really am, that you're going to leave. That's crazy. Yeah, the imposter theory, I right. think they're calling it. And yeah. um, uh, so w- what does it do and how do we actually – and can it be created? I guess we would assume that when we were first in love, we had it, mm-hmm. except you also had a lot of chemistry. You had a right. lot of other stuff going mm-hmm. too. Right. And it's funny because this is one of those things that 
doing it and creating it is actually fun, right? Sometimes yeah. we think about relationships stuff. We're like, oh, I've got to like work on my communication. It's going to take all this energy. One of the best ways to create this sense of belonging and this connection with with not just actually our partners but our entire families is to create in-jokes and create little family yeah. traditions and rituals, things like a word that you say to each other that no one else gets yeah, right. or a hand joke, you know, just some simple little things that connect you together, that become your language, your kind of symbolism within yeah. the family that says we are different than everyone else. I have something with you that I don't have with other people. That's huge. And then, and then it, if it's in a symbol, then it doesn't even need to be stated. It can just be reinforced. Right. Regularly. Yeah. yeah. And it becomes the way – this is how I describe it to people sometimes. It's the little quirky things that when people see you do that aren't in the relationship, yeah. they think you're weird. Yeah. But you kind of think to yourself, well, this is why we're better than you. That's right. Because <laughs> you, you you don't have the sock puppet yeah. thing that we do every night You don't with even each other. know what this means. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. In fact, I, this reminds me – one of my best favorite examples of this is, is I, was, I was teaching about this principle one time and I had um, a young woman – raise her hand and, and say, well, this is, me and my husband have this thing. We brush each other's teeth every night. We started this after we got married and we do. And everyone else in the audience was like trying to hold back laughter. What? Like this is the weird. And I was trying yeah. to hold that. I'm like, this is really weird. But she talked about how this was so amazingly bonding for them. And I could tell in her head, she's like, I, we have the best marriage here because we brush each other's teeth. <laughs> well, you guys don't do that? Yeah, you guys don't do that? Well, in some ways, it's, yeah, of course you don't do that. No, that's weird. Right? And, and, How cool. And though. that's an extreme example. Yeah. But the, those are the things that you want to build in your relationship, these little fun things that, that like I said, breed the vulnerability. Right. And, and they allow you to be open and have fun with each other and, and allow you to create that shared meaning and that symbolism. That is powerful. And then you, I, I always talk about these rituals, as we call them. Um, those should be the things that when you lose somebody, it's the ritual that is so devastating. Right. It's the she'll, This woman someday will be like, who's going to brush my teeth? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what I wake up having nightmares about. That is, like, that. That's powerful though. Yeah. Um, and it, it, sounds, it sounds corny or cheesy, but I guess most relationships at their, at their base are as vulnerable as just, I just want to belong. It's like a, we're all like a bunch of five-year-olds or mm-hmm. four-year-olds that just want to be held by our mom. Yeah. And the important thing about these committed relationships and our family relationships that we see in the research is that you know, we want to belong at work. We want to belong in our larger social groups. And there, there's a place for that. But what we find is that if we have that one person, yeah. if we have that committed, stable partner, if we've got our family where we feel this, most of the other social connections are kind of added fluff. I mean, they're nice, but right. they're not needed. No, no, it's, it's so Once true. we have that, we can get through most of the other stuff in terms of rejection from friends or from coworkers. Yeah. It's, it's that, that's our base. Do you think um, there's, there's probably something related here where if I don't, if I'm always worried that I don't belong or that you'll reject me because I'm not good enough, then I might start to think that the only answer to be loved then is to be perfect. So then perfectionism comes into it. And right. I mean, I start to worry that if it, if it is as simple as belonging, which I really do believe it is, mm-hmm. it, then, we, then we could actually – I don't worry about it. But we could get rid of a lot of our other problems right. by just reaffirming, I'm here. Right. No matter what, we're yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll figure this out. It's, it's the marriage vows, yeah. right? It's, it's just going it's back to that. To us but, part. but you're right. If I, if I think and get stuck in the perfectionism – it can go a lot of different unhealthy ways. I can think, well, maybe if I was just thinner, maybe yeah. if I was just smarter, maybe mm-hmm. if I brought in more money, you would love me more. And again, that's exhausting too. And, and back to the infidelity piece, 
this is where a lot of infidelity starts when it's roots is I start going down these tracks. I realize it's not making anything better. I still don't feel like I belong. And all that, that coworker is really nice to me. Yeah. And I, I've said things and they validate me a little bit. And I wonder what it'd be like with her. She would probably validate yeah. me all the time. And but what's interesting is if we, if we actually were thinking from about belonging, we wouldn't – if you already belong, you wouldn't seek to belong somewhere right. else. Exactly. Yeah. That you don't have that desire at all. You, 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 you already feel that sense of security. You feel that sense of belonging. You've built up those rituals and things. Yeah. And like you said, is it's, well, I don't want to lose that. Why would I want this person? Why would I want to do that? We've built a history together that I I fear losing the history almost more than losing you. So true. Well, and then and yeah, I fear the tooth brushing. I need you to brush my. I need. What if she doesn't brush my teeth? She's going to do it the wrong way. You you go circular. That's right. Counterclockwise. You're hurting my gums. Yeah. (laughs) It's so true, and it almost seems like if we don't feel like we belong, or that they might leave us, then we start holding a tighter grip. Right. We start trying to control the other more. We right. critique the other more. Can you – so how do you get belonging to be felt? Because I mean, it's, it's kind of a – it's a felt need. It's not a conscious thing. We're not conscientiously right. talking about it usually. Yeah. And sometimes you do need to do that. Sometimes yeah. you have to make what I call the faintly visible visible mm. and actually sit down. And get, so if I'm in a relationship and I'm constantly feeling like I'm trying but we're not getting there, we still are having these arguments. Yeah. You know, I'm saying a lot, it doesn't feel like you love me, those types of words. Right. Then maybe we need to sit down and, and have that conversation. And a lot of it is just figuring out what that is from my partner. How does my partner feel validated? How does my partner feel that sense of, of belonging? It's back to old Chapman love languages yeah, in right. some ways. Um, but it, but it's, it's figuring that out and then reinforcing that over and over again. That's pretty cool. Is, um, so as a researcher, you, the research now is pointing this out. This isn't just mm-hmm. like a nice, soft and fluffy idea. You're yeah. saying the research is saying mm-hmm. humans need this belonging. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting in the therapy world, you know, we, we used to be very behavioral first off, yeah. and then we used to be very cognitive behavioral. Yeah. And it's about how you think and your, your thinking is distorted. And really in the last 10 years, the, the clinical world has really moved to emotion-focused and attachment-based, belonging-based yeah. researches. We're starting to think more and more of our, our couples and, and individuals that are really struggling are struggling with attachment and belonging and emotion, and that that's really the root of, of where a lot of the distorting thinking comes from. That's you, the base of it. Do you think – because I've heard statistics that the younger generations, millennials even, are having more of this issue than even maybe older generations. Yeah, and it's really tied, again, with the millennials around, as we've talked about before, that it's all about me, right? Yeah. That kind of me generation that, that's good and bad in yeah, certain right. ways. But what we've really socialized our, our youth to do a lot is to think about you don't need someone. Right. Right? You can want someone and you can want a healthy relationship, but don't trust anyone because you never know. I hear that yeah. all the time from my students. You don't know what's going to happen. You could get a divorce. They could go crazy. They could cheat on you. So, and, and, and so that reinforces this kind of me first mentality, but we still have that sense of belonging. And so it leads to, and this, this is kind of my, my key word now with millennials, is, is paradox. Yeah, totally. Because I feel the need to belong, but everything in my culture and my parents are telling me don't trust anyone else. And so how do I make sense of that? I love hard. that. Yeah, paradox is my favorite word too. And it's also it's because it's such a big part of our chaos. Right. We don't know how to balance it except – at that, uh, the felt need, felt level, we we can handle stuff. Right. 
Yeah. And, 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 and the problem is, is that when we have that mentality, we're usually thinking, and this is a very common problem with baby boomer parents, yeah. is I'm, I'm super concerned about what you're going to be like when you're 30. I may be 40. And I forget about thinking about your life when you're 60 or 70 because I'm not going to be around. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Right? So I want to make sure you have a stable career and that you're really happy with yourself at 30 and 40. And I'm not thinking about how if you never really connect with someone and don't form a long-term relationship, that when you retire from that job when you're 70 and you've got 20 years by yourself lonely. I don't worry and about And no, no family to take care of you. Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Oh, that's so true though. Yeah. I guess – yeah, that's that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But that's problematic. Find a bowling league or something. That's right. Bridge yeah. club. You'll have friends. Yeah, you'll meet a lot of people at work. Uh, what what advice would you give us um, for those that that know that they have this fear, almost a fear of belonging, instead of a faith in belonging? Mm-hmm. I, I think, like I said before, when you when you get into these relationships, be very intentional about the symbolism creation. Be very cognitive cognitive of it. Think about even when you're dating someone, like like I said, those little in-jokes. Like, it doesn't yeah, yeah. have to be really elaborate. No. You're not coming up with a Thanksgiving and Christmas right. tradition. You don't need a mission statement yeah, necessarily. Nicknames, yeah. little logo, you know, just little silly things. Be aware of trying to create that early on in your relationship can go really far yeah. in terms of building something that you can build off and, and create that foundation. And I guess, and then, and then keep those alive. Right. That's like... That's like the Pledge of Allegiance. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, standing for the flag. These rituals that we do yeah. to honor the institution. Yeah. Think, think about not just building towards the future, but you're built, like I said before, you're building history. Right? Cool. And be aware of that. Build a relationship history with your partner. That's good stuff. Dr. Brian Willoughby's his name. You're not going to want to miss the book, The Marriage Paradox. Uh, by the way, the paradox again. It's That's back. right. And yep. it's going to help all of us understand what's going on, too, with um, some of our younger generations. Do you, do you throw that content into The Marriage Paradox, or is that the new book you're working on? Um, it's going to be a lot in the new one. There's a little bit in the, in, in the paradox book as well. Yeah. Good stuff. Brian, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Dr. Brian Willoughby is his name, associate professor at the School of Family Life right here at Brigham Young University and the author of The Marriage Paradox. Well, our good buddies from BYU Sports Nation will be up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Yes, it is time to now go to our uh, resident experts in sports, Spencer and Jerem from BYU Sports Nation, and check in to find out what's coming up on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Well, feeling silver. Yes. Yes. Lots. We of... were just listening to Crazy Horses by the Osmonds, so we're all ramped up. <laughs> really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, now, what Osmonds? Donnie, Donnie was at the uh, game Saturday, this, thus the Osmond mood. Okay, yeah. I was wondering where the Osmonds came from. Yep. yep. They came from uh, Provo, I thought. Right? I th- yeah, I think they did, yeah. yeah. If you dig real deep. Uh, right there from Provo. Have you guys been watching the Olympics? Yes. Indeed. Yeah. What, uh, what's your favorite uh, event? What's your favorite thing so far? I enjoyed watching the American who medaled in men's single luge for the first time oh yeah that last dude. night really that was cool hold on when was that on i missed that uh post dinner pre-dinner okay. around dinner what time do you eat <laughs> just so uh, i know local 2 time 2 a.m local time <laughs> and then there was uh chloe kim 
the snowboarder yes. for uh, the United States of America who uh, did well last night and tweeted, I could go for some ice cream right now. While she was competing. And everyone's like, and someone tweeted, aren't you competing right now? And she said, yes. Yeah, but <laughs> could somebody bring me some ice cream right now? Please? Yeah, it's great. That's pretty cool. Th- those are the great stories. And then, of course, uh, you know, figure skating. Yeah. I'm not as personally into that, but I'll watch it, you know, with my wife. More women than men watch the Olympics. And figure skating oh. is a big reason why gymnastics. Absolutely. Summer. My wife human loves interest. it. The Olympics are all about human interest. That's Last right. night, there was a lot of sequins and glitter, and uh, America represented well. I know, and that was just for the male uh, figure skaters. Right, listen, we're not even talking about listen, the Listen, there is a show within the show, and that is... Tara Lipinski and her buddy Johnny, who are calling... AKA the Hunger Games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Along with Terry Gannon, who played Terry, for Jim Valvano's 1983 National Championship basketball team. He's like the most manly man, and he's, he's with Tara and Johnny. Absolutely. He's, he's slightly out of place. No, I, and I noticed that. I did notice that. It's, it's a fun time, and it's really interesting, too, because I don't know any of their names anymore. I don't know why. They're being who? Athletes? Any of the athletes, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Normally, I would know a bunch of them, but I don't. But my wife, it doesn't matter. We're watching them. She's that into it. Yeah, and it's fun to see the competition. Like, I, I surf in and out. I'm not deep diving in yeah, the yeah. Olympics. But it's it's fun to see the U.S. and generally. We, we care more than anybody else. So we get the most medals and we have the most athletes and well, NBC is the best coverage of any country in the world at the Olympics. So it's, that's it's the thing. Time. It's that attitude that we automatically are going to win the most medals yeah. that, that the world we, hates. We almost always <laughs> do. So what, I, don't, I don't see the uh, fault in that ideology. We're, we're struggling a bit. We only have four medals total. Oh, just wait. Norway's got seat. nine. Don't, don't judge the marathon on the first turn. Norway won three yesterday in cross-country skiing, yeah. which they typically dominate. Norway. Yeah. So there, no are, there are two things, Matt, to answer your question yes. that have been super memorable for me. Uh, one, Korea marching in together as one unified entity, whatever yeah, you want to call amazing. it. That yeah. really, like, that's amazing. I incredible. served my mission you know. in South Korea. Like, that was a really big deal. Now, in fact, and I don't know it's going to you know, translate to anything, but like, the fact that they did it was as Team Korea, pretty cool. What do you think the, Kore- the Koreans thought? Like oh, that, man. Like, that's mind-blowing. Absolutely it is. That's cool. To have dignitaries from both sides in the same box. I mean, and again, the handshake between North, the the sister of Kim Jong-un, and that's amazing, too. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Secondly is, there was a crash at the beginning of the cross-country skiing yesterday. Tell this story. Dude's in last place after this unfortunate crash. Okay? He's got to make up 68 spots, (laughs) and he wins gold. It was unbelievable. Amazing. Just slowly, just chipping away at the lead, getting it back, getting it back. Like, how many guys in any event can be 68 places behind <laughs> and then win gold? This yeah. is the Rudy soundtrack. Yeah. That is so good. Very rarely do we have someone on horns when we're, when we're doing a story like that. And we won't talk about any of that on today's show, Matt. Oh, why? Are you gonna have Are you gonna have any musical moments with? Tell Jeremy to stop, please. <laughs> it's 
Somebody take that horn away. Yes, please. Turn off his microphone. Okay. So um, <laughs> so what w- what will you be talking about on your show today? Oh, today is loaded. BYU was down six with 22 seconds left mm. and somehow won the game. We're going to talk to Mark Durant about it. We're going to break down the resurgence of TJ Haas, Elijah Bryant, finally getting the opportunity to take a clutch shot. Look what happened. He's back. Kyle Collinsworth. Setting up Dirk Nowitzki uh, for a dunk, blocking James Harden, no, no, getting his flagrant foul by Isaiah dunk of the Thomas. Season. Dirk's only dunk of the season. That's Kyle pathetic Collins when you're seven feet tall. How dull. cool is that, though? <laughs> and he signed a contract, didn't he? He yep. did. Rest of the season guaranteed, uh, and then uh, two years after that option. <gasps> That's Fantastic. awesome. That's great. We're so happy for him. So you'll be talking that? Well. Anything else? Uh, Donnie Osmond at the game. Yeah. Elijah Bryant's uh, stink face after he made the shot. We're going to discuss that. <laughs> His mean mug. Uh, is Gonzaga the best team in the West Coast Conference now that they blew out St. Mary's on the road? We'll discuss no. that. Wow. The answer is yes. We will debate. <laughs> no. Well, I guess we got the answer is no, so no need to tune no. in. No. <laughs> that was Spencer not wanting to discuss it. Oh, I wanted to discuss it. Oh, he's going to discuss it. I love it. I, can I just suggest that maybe you should do the Norway – um, cross country skier story while tr- while you're playing the trumpet was that the trumpet? Don't don't encourage him, Matt. Good gravy. I might do that on your show. That would play totally... the Olympic music. It's great. Let's hear it. John that... Williams. Boom. Go, that... Jeff. Hit it. Jeff. I was just enjoying you singing. Come on, it. man. Yeah, he can't. He's he's. Um... We don't have rights to play that stuff on our show. He's if already... this was the old west, you'd be dead, bro. Yeah, he's already packed his bags. He's he's already waiting at the door. He's, 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 he's like, he's no. like, am I out or what? I think I'm done. I think Time's I'm done. Time's up, right? No post mortem discussion. Yeah. Sorry, I guess we're done. How's the show go? Who cares? I'm out. <laughs> well, good luck, guys. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Oh, there it is. It's happening. What is? What is this? This is Jaws meets the Olympics. <laughs> it's John Williams. We're gonna have to get a bigger boat. He, he just googled John Williams, and I think he pulled up <laughs> this is the first thing that came up. The Jaws, John Williams. Hmm. All I right. love you. Bye. Knock him dead, guys. Have a great show. That was an amazing solo performance by Jerem on the on the horns. Whoa. My mic is giving you some feedback on that response. Yeah. My yeah, I wish you'd stop it. But uh we also learned today on the show if if you weren't paying attention earlier that apparently they used to have a solo synchronized swimming activity. That is correct. That's no longer with the Olympics, mm-hmm. um, as well as the horse long jumping. <laughs> Thank heavens they got rid of that one. Yeah, it lasted the, through – it was in one Olympic game. That was it. Yeah, And maybe one more than it should have been. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the hero story. Um, our hero today, more than 90,000 Valentines have been sent to Cincinnati Children's Hospital this year. Listen to this. There are about 500 patients at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and they're being showered with Valentine's Day messages from around the world. The hospital staff has, staff has a program set up where Valentine's Day messages can be sent digitally. Then the staff will print them out and deliver them to the patients. This system lowers the risk of spreading infections in the hospital while still letting kids celebrate the day. Manager of Annual Giving Liz Smith said the program has grown steadily over the years with 10,000 Valentines that were sent in 2017 and a whopping 90,000 so far this year. A very sweet, kind teen in Kentucky sent out a tweet to her friends and followers asking for help to send messages to our patients. It's received more than 75,000 retweets, more than 100,000 likes. So 
a lot of people trying to do what they can to take care of those children um, at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. They are all the hero of the day. That's all it takes when you think about it is to think about it, for heaven's sakes, and then do what you can. And it, that sometimes it's just as simple as retweeting or resending um, just a simple little email to somebody. So will you take a minute out of your day in the next uh, couple days anyway and identify somebody that needs to know that they're cared for, that they belong? That is the goal of the show, to make sure everybody feels like they're a part of this uh, this world that we're all in. That's the show. We're done for today. We'll be back again tomorrow. And until uh, tomorrow, until we meet again, let's take care of each other and stick with BYU Broadcasting because BYU Sports Nation is up next.